Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. Plenty of stuff to get to throughout the course of the show tonight. Uh, we'll preview the Philly series in Arizona a little later on as they take on one of the worst teams in baseball. You would hope the Phillies can, you know, get back on the right track after what I thought was a disappointing week this week at home. Uh, and a disappointing series over the weekend, losing two of three to the Cincinnati Reds. But a nice of nice of Jody to uh, pay me a little compliment. Uh, Kyle Quinn producing the show tonight. Uh, Kyle, you haven't seen it recently. Jody and I have been a little contentious crossovers. He, he as he said, he I've been a little overly critical of Joe Girardi in his mind. So that you was nice of Jody to to compliment me. Tonight. Yeah, it was. You, Jody is uh, not a guy you want to be at odds with. No, I mean you can't. I, I just I feel like I always lose my arguments to Jody. Well, yeah, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of sports watching experience with with Jody Mack. Right. Yeah, and and like a caller had called in last week and said, oh, "Don't let Jody bully you during the crossover." Jody's one of the people I don't have a problem with bullying me. Yeah, you you got to let Jody bully you. Right. I, I just have so much respect for Jody that I don't bother it doesn't bother me then. But uh we'll get to the Phillies a little later on. Uh a number of things that I want to get to. We, we got I got to replay this just ridiculous opinion from last night in terms of uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles quarterback situation where sometimes it's just astonishing how people nationally have no idea what the situation actually is in a certain place. And uh, this horrible take in regards to the Eagles quarterback position, we'll replay that a little later on. A number of things that we'll get to throughout the course of the show. But where I want to start tonight is indeed with the Eagles, as they hosted the Patriots on Monday for day one of their joint practices this week at the NovaCare Complex ahead of Thursday night's preseason game at the link between the Patriots and the Eagles. And, you know, they practice Monday. They'll practice again on Tuesday. This one should probably be a little more interesting where you have that first day Teams are kind of feeling each other out. The next day, I would expect it to be a little chippier tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, I think it's more of a walkthrough. So it's basically a two-day session of joint practices with the Eagles and the Patriots. And just in general, I love these joint practices. I think they are tremendous for a variety of reasons. It's a way to go up against a real team. You know, a different team with different talent, with a a different kind of scheme where, 
you don't know what's coming, and typically you go up and you're practicing against your teammates, you're seeing a lot of the same stuff. And you're seeing a lot of the same guys. And when you get these kind of opportunities, I just think it's really valuable. Where you can do it, you can get this work in, it's in a controlled environment where you can maybe lessen some of the risk of injury uh, a little bit, where you do individual drills, and I think you can even show more than you typically would in a preseason game. Preseason games, you don't necessarily want to show a lot of your complex schemes, and when I was in on Friday, I was arguing this a little bit with with John Ritchie, um, because John was upset we didn't see more from Jonathan Gannon's defense in terms of blitzing and that kind of stuff, but I just don't think it's stuff that the Eagles want to get out there. At these practices, you can let loose a little bit. You can test that kind of stuff out because there aren't teams there taping. And now I guess, I mean, it is the Patriots. So perhaps the Patriots are taping uh, these workouts, but you're not playing them during the season. So it's not something you're all that concerned about. Um, But in a lot of ways, I think it's more productive then preseason games, way to break up the monotony of camp in that kind of day-in, day-out situation, same guys, same drills, uh, you know, where I think players get fatigued of going up against the same guys, especially teammates, every single day. Um, And it's a good way to kind of switch things up a little bit. And I think they enjoy it, and I think the players personally – Get up for it. You know, I read Elliot's piece on 94WIP.com where he said the Eagles sideline was active as if this was a game. And it it was competitive, certainly from the Eagles side. And that's that's absolutely good to see um, in this kind of environment. And, you know, back when we would do the remotes down there and I would attend, I just loved watching these joint practices. Saw one with the Ravens with the Pats when Brady was there, which was definitely cool. But in many ways, it's just productive and it's helpful. And teams that can do it are smart to take advantage of these opportunities, especially with a team like the New England Patriots that is well-prepared, that are well-prepared. And, you know, you get to work out with them and for Nick Sirianni as well, to gauge how the Patriots run their practices and how you might be able to adjust on your own. But what was very interesting from the actual practice is that judging by most reports, and I've read a number of, of the recaps of day one of these practices, the Eagles dominated, essentially. And the D-line apparently was all over the place. They were in the backfield. They were getting what would be sacks obviously you're not hitting the quarterback in these types of situations but apparently the Patriots couldn't run the ball they couldn't complete passes down the field and the Eagles defensive line especially looked fearsome and dominating apparently the Eagles receivers looked very good especially Jalen Rager Quez Watkins had standout days against New England on Monday but most importantly Judging by all reports that I've seen uh, at this point, Jalen Hurts performed very well once again. 
And, you know, it was, and that it was pretty obvious that Hertz was the best quarterback on the field on Monday. And that's a field that included Cam Newton, who, while not being the player he used to be, is still a guy who's been in this league for a long time and is still, you know, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And first round pick Mac Jones, who was selected in the 15th uh, with the 15th overall pick this year. And according to the reports that I've seen, Jalen Hurts was leaps and bounds better than both those guys. Now, it's practice, and you can't overreact completely. I mean, I remember a joint practice a couple years ago when everything you read afterwards were that Lamar Jackson looked awful and that, you know, this guy is not going to be able to play the quarterback position in the NFL, and he's obviously gone on to be a very successful quarterback in the NFL while still struggling with throwing the ball down the field, struggling with winning games in the playoffs, a lot of teams would love to have Lamar Jackson as their starting quarterback. So you got to take these reports with somewhat of a grain of salt. But it's better than the alternative. And, you know, the fact that apparently the Eagles were clearly the better team on the field Monday is something that you can look at and believe is encouraging. And this comes on the heels of what I thought was a very crisp and impressive effort from the Eagles, first stringers and second stringers, on Thursday night against the Steelers. Where I thought they came out, and obviously you look at the final score, uh, the final score of that game means nothing. You look at what happened in the second half, there are a bunch of guys out there on the field that will not be on the roster in a matter of two to three weeks. What you look at is the first half, what you look at is how the Eagles were able to execute on both sides of the ball in the early stage of this game. And I thought very similarly. I thought they were clearly the better team on Thursday night against Pittsburgh. Now you hear they were clearly the better team on Monday against New England. And I've noticed over the past few days here that people seem to be slowly starting to come around and be more positive in regards to this team and what they could accomplish this season. And the thought amongst many coming in was that this team would be terrible, and this was a 5-6 win max year. I mean, you think about way back on the heels of the Carson Wentz trade and on the heels of the Nick Sirianni hire, I mean, people were talking about this being a rebuilding year, and this is a a bottom three, bottom five team in the NFL, and it's all about tanking for whatever quarterback comes out next season. I personally never really believed that. I thought this was a roster that if the Eagles did some nice things, which they did, I mean, I on record is saying I think Howie Roseman had a tremendous offseason with where the Eagles were and what they ended up uh, putting together with some solid veteran signings, setting themselves up to compete this year while opening things up for the future with cap space and accumulating draft picks, I thought it was a very strong offseason. And I thought this team with the roster on paper could compete and could be a 500-ish type team. And as camp continues, 
and positive signs emerge, I sense more optimism. And I sense more people coming around to that side of the coin in regards to this team. And, you know, the more you kind of look at it and the more I read, the more I see, I think this team can legitimately win the NFC East this year. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to make a pick yet. I still want to wait the next couple weeks, see what happens with injuries and look at it a little more. But this team can clearly win this division. And I feel like over the last, especially week, really since that preseason game on Thursday night, more people are coming along to that side. And this thought process that this would be a 3-4-5 win team and that this would be kind of this season that we would we would sit through and suffer through and forget about and that it would set things up for the future, I don't sense that nearly as many people fall on that side of the coin anymore. And the question I have to start the show tonight is, are you buying into this Eagles hype? And I don't know if it's if it's hype necessarily. I mean, I think it's real. I look at this team and I look at the roster and I look at the things that are being reported. It's not all that surprising to me. Like, it's not surprising to me that the Eagles defensive line looks as good as it looks. Because you look at the names, they have a good defensive line. I mean, when you look at Graham and Hargrave apparently has been tearing it up. And Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat. You have Ryan Kerrigan when he comes back. That's a good unit. You look at the offensive line which struggled last year, and I thought their struggles um, were overblown last year. I thought they didn't play great, but when you go back and you look at those games, a lot of their problems were made worse by Carson Wentz not seeing things clearly, Carson Wentz not getting rid of the football, and allowing pressure to get home that way. And when you come back and you get healthy, and you have an offensive line now, that features Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks and Kelsey and Jordan Mulata, who, whether they want to say it or not, is going to be the starting left tackle, that's a good unit. And when you look at this roster top to bottom, they're pretty solid. And I'm not telling you that this is a team that's going to make a run to the Super Bowl and that this is going to be a championship-type year. But if you had to grade... On a scale right now, like, is this team more likely to win five games or ten games? I would easily say they are more likely to win ten games. Um, And I want to know how you're feeling about this team as we head more towards the season. And, you know, am I getting wrapped up? And if some people get are some people getting wrapped up in what they want to believe that we want to believe that this team can be competitive and we want to believe that they can make the playoffs or is this real? And is this something that you were buying into with the Eagles under Nick Sirianni and with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you join the show, want to know how you're feeling about the Eagles as we head toward camp, because I've sensed more optimism lately uh, amongst this team, and it, it's not necessarily surprising. I mean, you look at the roster, you look at the secondary, which is improved, the defensive line, which comes back healthy, the offensive line, uh, healthy at this point, point. Um, and Jalen Hurts, who 
is showing encouraging signs, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this team, and I would not be surprised by any stretch if they win the NFC East, go to the playoffs, and have a really you know successful year if that is the goal, and I think that would be certainly uh, a worthwhile goal this year. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Kyle Quinn producing the show tonight. Have you sensed the same kind of optimism, Kyle, or am I kind of reading this wrong here? No, I've definitely sensed that optimism, and as uh, as usually is the case, TK, we're we're on the same wavelength when it comes to the Eagles and football. I'm uh, I've been buying into the Eagles winning the NFC since after the draft, really, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that since since the end of last season, we all really thought that this team was going to have to get gutted just to get under the cap, and it was going to be a brutal off season. Next year was going to suck. Well. That hasn't been the case. We've been able to retain all of our major players like Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox, and we've even been able to add to that crop. Now, the thing that really uh, gets me excited about this team going into this season is I think the run game and the defense are going to be two major, major strengths of this team, and both kind of go hand in hand, right? The more you run the ball, the less uh, time your defense is spending on the field. And I think the offensive line is Probably one of the best. I think it is the best in the division, and it was ravaged by injuries last season. I think you're going to see some regression to the mean uh, when it comes to the offensive line. And uh, I mean, I, I've been really, really excited about the Eagles this season, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think a lot of more people are coming around that way, and it's it's encouraging to see because nobody wants to go into like that rebuilding phase or rebuilding year where you're just kind of letting time pass and. Uh, I'm sensing more optimism. I want to know how you feel out there, whether you are kind of buying into this team being better than initially expected, or, you know, if you think this is just something that people want to believe, uh, you know, so we don't have to suffer through a bad season. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. And when we get back, I did want to uh, give you a- another reason why I am pretty optimistic and a, a reason why I think there is um, cause for-, for optimism moving forward here. So we'll do that when we return. Open lines if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. With you on this Tuesday morning, if you want to get in, open lines start the show here, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, We'll get to some sound here in a few minutes, uh, but uh, part of the reason, optimistic when you look at the Eagles, that's kind of what we're starting with tonight, is uh, the more we move toward this season, and you know, preseason and training camp, there's always overreactions both ways. Like, I mean, a few years ago, we thought Paul Turner was going to be a legitimate difference maker for this team. And and I don't even think he ended up, ended up making the team. Like we will overreact. And, and that's, that's what you do as a sports fan sometimes. But I don't think like the optimism that I felt more with this team over the last few days and, and week or so, I don't think it is over the top like I look at the roster and it's not it's not a bad roster and that's why I never really understood why people were talking about this is going to be this horrible year um you know look at look at this team it's in shambles that just was never really the reality 
Um, and obviously, a lot depends on on Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, and we'll talk about them a lot tonight. But I've said many times, sure, that team last year was four eleven and one. I mean, they're they're a competent quarterback away from having seven or eight wins and winning a bad division. Like that easily could have happened last year. I mean, that team was in a lot of games, even with an offense that did basically nothing all year long. And I thought there were encouraging signs from Hertz at the end of the season. And we'll get into Jalen Hertz a little later on here um, in a little more detail, but like, Part of it as well is is in addition to the Eagles roster, which the defense is pretty talented. You look at the at the first team defense, the guys on the defensive line, the linebackers are improved. Apparently, Eric Wilson has really been impressive at camp, um, and he'll be the feature linebacker now. You add Stevie Nelson in the secondary, you add Anthony Harris in the secondary. It's an improved unit. You look at that offensive line and getting those guys healthy, getting those guys back is is going to help significantly. And you hope, you know, with your Ragers and your Quez Watkins and Fulgums, even though I, I don't really, I'm not really encouraged by what we've seen so far from Travis Fulgum uh, in camp in the preseason. But like, if these guys can take some steps, this team should theoretically get better. And you look around the division, and Jody was talking about this a little bit toward the end of his show. Who scares you in this division? Like, I have said, I I think the Giants are going to be a disaster. I do. I just think they're going to be a mess. You know my thoughts on Joe Judge. I think this whole tough guy operation, I just don't think it works in the NFL. And if things start going bad, I think that situation in particular has the potential to go very badly, very quickly. So that team I'm not very concerned about. You look at Washington. I mean, they have a really good defense. I think Chase Young, when you just look at who is the best player in this division, I think you could probably make a strong argument. Chase Young is the best overall player in this division right now. I mean, he's going to be a pain in the ass to deal with for the next, what, 10 to 15 years. But they don't have a quarterback. Like, we've seen teams go with Ryan Fitzpatrick as a starter. It never ends well. Like, and sure, he played well last year for Miami, but he's good in that kind of backup role. He's never really the starter. And then you look at Dallas. Their defense is atrocious. Could they outscore everybody? Sure. But they have major concerns with this Dak Prescott situation. And, you know, I watched first episode of Hard Knocks last week. He's talking about these surgeries he had, and now he's dealing with the shoulder thing. And the Cowboys sent out, like, the weirdest update I've ever seen a few days ago. Did you see this, Kyle? This tweet that they sent out? No, I don't think I did. Okay. Well, this is exactly what it says. And and, uh, tell me if you think this is odd, because I certainly think it, it is. They tweet out, it's not a setback. And it's not a reason to worry, but Dak Prescott is planning on getting another MRI. I, so I did, I did see that. I do remember that, which is absolutely cause to worry. Have you ever seen a team <laughs> no. send something out like that, like prefacing, prefacing it to their fans? This do do not get concerned about this. Yeah, but he's getting an MRI, but it, it's not or any reason to worry. Yeah, do, do you think anybody worried? 
Y- yes. <laughs> and I just, I don't, I don't understand uh, why you would send that kind of, uh, kind of update out. It, it, yeah. Well, it doesn't one seem very professional to be honest with you, because then it's, you know, you're, you're putting pressure on Dak Prescott, aren't you? By saying this isn't any cause for concern. Well, what if, what if it actually is? And he's kind of back there like, Hey, like, you know, Keep this quiet. Right. It's getting bad. Exactly. Like, it, it seems uh, a little uh, a little concerning. So, you look at the division, and that's another reason why I just think the Eagles have a real opportunity here to, to make some noise. 215-592-9494. But uh, another, you know, thing about this team, which has made me feel better as time has gone on here, is Nick Sirianni. And when Nick Sirianni was hired... I was unsure as everybody was. I mean, coming in, I didn't know if he was being hired for the right reasons. And this is before the whole introductory press conference fiasco where he just clearly was was nervous. Like, I don't know what else to say about that. He was just really nervous, was put in a rough spot where... You know, you're dealing with all the Carson Wentz drama at this point. He's got to find a way to be diplomatic and not tip the team's hand. I mean, I'm sure Nick Sirianni knew at that point that they were trading Carson Wentz, but he can't come out and say that. And when they hired him, I was worried because I thought they were bringing him in to be a guy who would try to fix Carson Wentz because he's the, the they were trying to go get like the closest thing to Frank Reich that they could find. And I didn't know if he was qualified, but as time has gone on, I've gotten more confident and impressed with Nick Sirianni. And I was impressed with him on Thursday night because, you know, there's not a ton you can take from a first preseason game, but the things that you saw were largely encouraging where you know, think of all the things that plagued the Eagles last year. Pre-snap penalties. I mean, there were none of those in the first half, as far as I can remember. Mental mistakes. Guys lining up wrong. I didn't see a lot of that stuff going on. Like, little things. Like, under Doug, and this has been an issue really over the last couple of years, how many times did we see them running that play clock all the way down? There were no issues like that. Like, it just looked like a very solid operation. And here was Nick Sirianni uh, talking about the game and kind of the operation of his team. I thought it was a very crisp first half. A lot of good things in the first half. Again, there's things that clean up, but the first half, I thought I thought we, we looked pretty sharp there. And then the second half, right, just got sloppy. Um, and that was my message to the team. And again, you got to go back and look at the tape, but again, it felt like crisp first half, sloppy second half. And, you know, that's kind of exactly what we saw. And here's more from Sirianni on that first half. That first half, I just thought was really crisp, uh, both offensively and defensively. Again, there's going to be things to, to correct, but that's what we're striving for every day, just to, to have that sharpness uh, on our offense and defense. Um, and, and it's the same thing. Like, we can't get too down on the, the bad plays that happen, and we can't get too high on the good things that happen. We just got to, again, we just got to play the next play, play the next game over and over and over again. And I just thought during the course of the game, when we did get shots of Sirianni, he looked like he was in his element. And this has kind of been uh, my argument to trust him and to give him a shot here, where, 
you know, we look at the press conferences, and let's face it, we always overdo it with analyzing that kind of stuff in this city. You know, whether it was Andy and people would freak out over the things that he said, it doesn't matter. I mean, Andy Reid's a great coach. Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly was very, you know, impressive in those kind of press conference settings and had an answer for everything, but you get him out on the field, he doesn't really adjust, and that was a major problem. But, you know, Nick Sirianni, while he can be uncomfortable in these press conference settings, he seems like he's in his element when he's on a football field. And you hear it after the game, like, when he's answering questions about what just happened on a football field, I didn't hear that same kind of nervousness that we've heard from him in the past. Like, when it's just football and it's not other stuff that you need to really get into, he seems pretty confident. And I was I was impressed more than anything just with the the operation of the team the other night. Like, they looked competent. They looked organized. And that's something that is rare for a first preseason game, even from a team that is coached by an experienced coach. Like, those first preseason games are typically very sloppy. And there are a lot of penalties and a lot of these kind of incidents and and, and problems that teams are having. And we just didn't see that from the Eagles the other night. And that was, you know, one of the more encouraging things. Um, and here was uh, more from Nick Sirianni talking about uh, Quez Watkins, who broke that big touchdown in the, uh, in the second quarter. That's a play right there that you, is, it's very important to our offense. And, and you just want it's there's a lot of part. Everybody really has to do their job. That's what this game's so awesome, right? Everyone's got to do their job for, to, for it to work. And, and they did. Right. And, and Quez made a great play. Joe made a great throw. And, you know, that was a good call in the in the second quarter. And here's one more from Nick Sirianni. Felt business as usual. It really did. Uh, again, I, I've, I've said this this all along. Like, what's the difference? It's just I'm adding job titles to my, you know, to my what I what I already do. So it just felt like business as usual. It was great communication on the offensive side of the ball. Um as far as with Shane, myself, Kevin, Petulo, Jeff Stoutland, Jason, Mike, all, all, all the way around. So it just really did feel like business as usual. Yeah, and it looked, it just looked like a clean operation. Hey, I'm not telling you Nick Sirianni's going to be great. And honestly, anybody who claims to know what he's going to be as a head coach is wrong because nobody has any clue. I mean, we'll see when the regular season comes around here. We need to see it in real time, but... I don't know, like, I think the early impressions are favorable. And, you know, when we look at reasons to be optimistic, I I think one of them is Nick Sirianni. I've been impressed by what I've seen so far in pretty limited time here. Uh, so I'd like to get your take on that as well. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 uh, is how you join the show. Um so when we get back, I do have a social media gripe for you today that I want to throw out there. We'll also talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts, and I will uh, replay this this opinion uh, from uh, Fox Sports 1 yesterday that just made absolutely no sense. So we'll get to that when we get back as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215 592 
9494. Uh, Kyle Quinn producing tonight. Kyle, I don't think we've worked together since we worked together on the midday show. What was that? The day after 4th of July. That was when that, that guy called us that, uh, the celebrity, what was that? Jim in Bridesburg? Oh, oh, John and Bridesburg. John and Yeah, that's right. right. Oh, man, that was a while. Yeah, the Flo Rida guy. The Flo Rida guy. Man, he was fired up. He was. That was a that was a heck of a phone call. That was a heck of a clip. Uh, the, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, this guy was nuts about Flo Rida. Maybe we'll play that at some the point. Flo Rider. Yeah, Flo Rider is, is what he called it. I can him. dig it up. Uh, but... You're doing remotes now, Kyle. How have you been enjoying it? Have you been down at camp at all this year? I have not been down at camp. I've just been doing a, a couple chickies, and, and they're fun. Yeah, I mean, you like being out and about, seeing people. The only uh, the only thing is is that sometimes you feel like when things opened up after a while of being shut down during the pandemic, people kind of forget how to act and yes. how to uh, act appropriately. And, you know, there have been times where, I mean, we're on the air. I'm sure you've had to deal with this before, and people are yelling things at you, and you're like, hey, you know that we're live on the air right now. Oh, that, that trust me, that has nothing to do with the pandemic. That was, that, that, no, that's you're always right. been You're the right, case. but I, I guess, uh, I, I don't know, I, I was enjoying some security detail as well as doing the remote broadcast oh yeah so, that's the yeah that's yeah. a big that that's a big uh big part of the I'm, I'm not exactly well. built for security detail either i don't know if you noticed but so i was i was pretty happy when uh when they started bringing in actual bouncers well, i think you might you might be more built for security than me i mean you're uh, w- you got to be over six foot i'm right? just i'm just i'm six foot flat but okay. you know but the the width isn't exactly working in my favor right yeah. i'm kind of the opposite where i've got a little <laughs> more i guess girth to me uh not much muscle you just use um, the word girth yeah yeah on, on, I, <laughs> a little little girthier is that, is that okay do i have to dump that out i don't think so no, i'm just kidding. but i'm uh but i'm only what five i'm like five 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 well six. you tell me i'm not gonna be able yeah to i mean uh, officially, um, uh, I'm, I think five, five and three quarters. So, uh, not that I'm counting. Maybe if we combined our, uh, our, our two physiques, then we'd, we'd make a pretty good bouncer. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, it's always nice when you meet somebody like a listener or something. I didn't realize you were this short. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, that's where I'm at. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in in a minute, I will have a, uh, social media gripe for you. And it's, uh, kind of related to another one that I had last week. So we'll do that in a second. First, let's go to John wants to talk about the Eagles. What's up, John? Hey, good. TK? What's up, man? How you doing? All right, listen, um, I kind of want to disagree with you on a little bit uh, just about the Eagles. Uh, I mean, they do have good players, every wide receiver, but I feel Nick Sirianni is going to be out coached for most of the teams that they're going to play this year. You think he's going to be outmatched by some of the teams they're going to play? Yeah, out, well, outcoached, you know, different because you know you have to have a different uh, like uh, adjustment. But they've been through, you know, so many times. It's going to be a learning process for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be, John, and it's not going to come naturally right away, and it's going to take some time. But like, I don't, I don't think you know, he's just going to be out coach because he's a first year coach. I think we see a lot of coaches come in right away and have immediate success. I think that's something that actually could be used to his advantage a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, and that's, that's possibility. Matter of fact, I already have the Eagles winning the first game. <laughs> you, you have the Eagles winning the first game. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. There that's, you go. Matter of fact, that's money in the bank. That's I mean that's you know that's going to be an interesting one. You got Atlanta on the road. Um 
I think it's a. I think it's certainly a winnable game for them. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think it's winnable. Well, Tom, I don't think Atlanta is, is as good as people would think because they're missing. They're going to be missing some pieces, and uh, like I said, they're going to be fired up and all this everything. They they're going to be so high that they're going to win. And uh, matter of fact, that's my feeling. You know, that's it. Well, there you go. So, what are you thinking for a record this year? John? Uh, record. Uh, well, I hope you you're not. Uh, pissed off at me because uh, I think they're going to maybe just win five games. Well, that's fine, John. I'm not. I'm not mad at you. I I, no. I, I disagree, but but well, you're, no. yeah, that's fine. And listen, when they won the Super Bowl, I, I was I was so happy about people and the players. But like like I said, it's going to be a learning process. It's going to take uh, this year and next year. So, uh, but hey, let, let's go get them right. Yeah, no, definitely, John. Okay, Tommy, you take care, and it's you and your family and everyone be safe. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the call. And, yeah, I mean, I I think the range is wide for what the Eagles could be. And, you know, clearly a lot of it has to do with Hurts, and we'll continue to talk about him, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where where – you know, if they they're going to need to stay healthy because it's a team that doesn't have a lot of depth and health has clearly been an issue over the last few years. But if they can stay healthy, I think this is certainly a roster that could win eight, nine games. And I don't think that just because Nick Sirianni is coming into his first year, that that's necessarily a bad thing or a disadvantage. I mean, you look back at coaches we've had in this city, they've had a lot of success in year one. I mean, Chip Kelly had his most successful year in year one. Um, Doug Peterson, even though they didn't make the playoffs or anything, they're seven and nine. That was a productive year for a team that wasn't expected to be that good. And you see around the league um, consistently coaches come in and have immediate success. So uh, I certainly uh, think that's something Nick Sirianni could do as well. Uh, Let's go to Chris in Deptford. Let's talk about the Phillies. What's up, Chris? What's going on, Tom? What's going on tonight? How's it going? What's going on? I would talk Aaron Ola. Sure. I mean, I mean, this guy, he's as frustrated as it gets at this point. Like, what is he at this point? Is he a, is he an eighth, second? At this point, at uh, this year, he's a three, is he? A 4.5 ERA? Chris, I don't, even, I don't even think he's a three. Like, on this team, he probably is because they don't have yeah. much of a pitching staff. But, I mean, Aaron Nola has been a back end of the rotation starter this year. It's frustrating, though. Like, yeah, on this team, he's a three. But could you imagine, like, if you went into a, uh, and the first round of the playoffs, five-game series, if you had Wheeler and Nola at his best, if you're throwing that out, one-two, you're good as chances against anybody. But, he, and like, last week against the Dodgers, he's going through five. He's got seven strikeouts. He's light down. And then, he, and then you've got a game against the Reds, and he and he's suffering five six runs a game, but this is every it is like it's a it's he's good one game he's good the next game. I yeah. don't know it's two it's two thousand eighteen like uh, lightning in the blast. Well, that's what I think, Chris. I think twenty eighteen was the aberration for Noel. I mean, you look at the rest of his career; he's kind of a guy who usually floats between three and a half and four ERA. This year is obviously much worse. I don't think he'll. He's he's going to be as bad as he has been this year consistently, but I don't think he's ever going to be as good 
as he was in 2018. And he's always been inconsistent. This year, it's been more start to start. But even a year like 2019 or last year, you know, he'd have some outings that would be really impressive where he'd look like nobody could touch him. And then, you know, uh, a few starts later, he'd go through a stretch where he, he really struggles. So he's just one of these guys that that is very, very inconsistent. Yeah, I like you don't know where you're getting from him. Like, uh, what was it, two months ago? Ten straight strikeouts. You get the next start, he's giving up five runs against the Nationals. The next start, he's striking out seven through five against the Dodgers. Like, right. what is he? Then you got, like, Wheeler. Like, Wheeler's – if people look at, like, Wheeler's contract, it's uh, a bargain at this point. Like, if we – what's what's Wheeler? Five years, 140, five years, 120. If Wheeler – here, I have the questions here right now. Yeah, he's, if Wheeler, he's if five, Wheeler four, is an open market right now, Say after this year, what's Wheeler's contract after oh, this year? Chris, I mean, he's getting a ton. More. I mean, the Phillies, the Phillies got a bargain with Zach Wheeler. He got five for one eighteen, and like a week later, Steven Strasburg got like yeah. seven <laughs> for two forty five. And Steven Strasburg's and, a guy who's who's injured and, and is never going to be right. Yeah, I mean Wheeler, yeah. Wheeler would probably get upwards of I don't know like upwards of 250 if he was on the open yeah, at least yeah yeah so you're doubling his contract at this point that's what I'm saying it's frustrating with Nola at this point like if Nola was I'm not even saying if you go to the 2008 Nola 2018 Nola like 2.3 if you get Nola down to like what 3.2 you're right Nola like then you have a chance of something. so it's like it's frustrating so like people are like oh let's make the playoffs and at the building block What's the building block? Like this team's not young. Like right. we're you're not building off nothing. Like that's the frustrating part with me. We we have a chance in a five game series if you go no or uh, Wheeler one and then Nola two and then you got Gibson three. Yeah, but it, you don't know where you get now, Nola. No, Chris, you don't. And I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the call. And and yeah, it's been frustrating. We talked about Nola a lot last night and. He, I mean, it, it, and I said it last night, I'll say it again. If the Phillies don't win this division, like, there are going to be a lot of reasons why. It won't just be because of Aaron Nola, but, I mean, I would point to Aaron Nola before I'd point to anything else as the primary reason. Like, sure, the defense is bad. Sure, Girardi's made some questionable decisions at times, and the offense is underperformed at times, but the way this team was structured was... To win with offense and to make sure you are winning most of the time, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola take them out. And if you're not winning and you're not getting that kind of top-notch outings from those guys, the rest of it falls apart. And, I mean, they're a game and a half back at this point. The Braves won again, and uh, you know I'm, the Mets lost again. I'm not worried about the Mets at all at this point. Um, the Braves are the team that you're concerned with. Um, but Phil's fall game and a half back, and, you know, it's frustrating because if Aaron Nola pitches anywhere near what you'd expect, Phillies are four to five games better at this point, something like that, and then you're not only still in first place but have a, a bit of breathing room. So, yeah, I mean, the Aaron Nola, the Aaron Nola season has been extremely frustrating and I think he is the biggest reason uh, to point blame. And he is, if the Phillies do not win the division, uh, a bigger a bigger reason why than anything else that's gone wrong here. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 
Um, but I did want to give him my social media gripe of the day. And I had had a similar gripe last week where I saw a tweet and it was our boy Ben Simmons firing off threes. And there was another tweet today from Chris Johnson, who I don't know if he is Ben's personal trainer or if he is. a. Do you know if he has connections to the Sixers at all, Kyle? Yeah, it's Ben Simmons' burner account. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I have no idea. Chris Johnson uh, tweets out, how many point guards got this in the bag? Uh, making live reads off a screen, high cross crossover into a power dunk finish. And it's Ben, around the three-point line, dribbling through two guys. I'm telling you, one. I just told you I'm like five, five, six. One of the guys looks like me. Like, really. And these are the guys... That Ben Simmons and he's literally just driving to the basket and and dunking like we have seen this a number except when it matters we've seen it a number of times but like at what point I I, I feel like it's almost it has to be being done to piss people off at this yeah. point no when I first saw it I thought I thought one of the guys was Kevin Hart <laughs> like that that's how small they are right they're just like i mean and he's 6'10 and, and the one guy just kind of like barely like he does like a half-ass like slap to his arm i, I mean he has to be he should be embarrassed by this be. guy putting these things out uh, I, like but i don't know if he is Im- embarrassed at this point like i i really would like to know what's going through ben simmons head and i because i believed after the playoffs that he had to be embarrassed, and I think he was, but, like, I don't know what's changing here. Like, nothing about his behavior or his game seems to be changing. Like, we've always seen him shooting shots in, in a practice gym, and until he does it in game, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put any stock in it. But, like, a, a, a notable change would be that Ben Simmons is communicating with the Sixers and they're working on a plan for him to get better. Like, and all we've heard is he has no desire to work with the team. He's not answering calls. He's not, uh, you know, responding to Embiid and Doc Rivers. And he basically just wants out. And it's like, if, if this is the way it's going to be, I mean, I I don't see anything changing. No, it's, it's deja vu with Ben Simmons. And the sad part is, is that is he just seems like, well, I don't know if it's sad maybe for his own mental health is that he's just so out of touch with reality and how he's viewed around Philly, how he's viewed around the league. I mean, there's no possible way that he thinks putting these videos out is, is doing anything good for him. I mean, it can't, he can't. And like, I don't know where we're going with the Ben Simmons thing at this point. Like we talked about Damian Lillard. I, I, I don't know if I am, again, kind of choosing to be optimistic here, but, like, it's gotten so quiet that I feel like maybe something has to be going on. Like, if Damian Lillard was going to be back in Portland and they had kind of, you know, decided that and he decided he wanted to stay and and I feel like that would have been reported by now, so maybe they're shopping him quietly. I don't know. I'm just... I, I, I'm grasping for straws at this point because <laughs> if if I just don't see any way the Sixers can bring Ben Simmons back. I don't see any way it happens. I don't either, but I'm just starting to get a sinking feeling that this is something that might drag out up until like the trade deadline. But I just don't know how do you go through the first half of the season with <laughs> well, him on the court. Him and it, like because I'm fully convinced that him and Embiid like I don't think they had problems 
before. Yeah. Real. I don't think they've ever been best friends. No. But I don't think they like hated each other. Now, I think there's legit problems. It, what Embiid said after right. Game Seven. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I, I think Embiid lost trust in Simmons on the floor, and Simmons lost trust in Embiid throwing him under the bus. Yeah, and I I think Doc Rivers kind of too being non-committal at the end of the season about whether he can be a starting point guard on a championship team that that probably hurt him a little bit too. And the unfortunate thing is, is that I mean, this is kind of you know, the Philly fans have been trying to light a fire under his ass for the past few years and absolutely nothing's changed. So, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely definitely frustrating. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in two one five five nine two nine four nine four. When we get back, I do want to uh, do this to play this Jalen Hurts thing. Uh, and also, I I, I got to talk about a tweet that I saw. In regards to two former Eagles who made their way back to Philadelphia with the Patriots on Monday and how they are viewed in this city, uh, because I think it's a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting topic here. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. With you on a Tuesday morning, if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Another interesting aspect of these Eagles-Patriots joint practices is Cam Newton and Mac Jones, I guess, competing for the starting job for the Patriots. They're paying Cam Cam Newton like $12 million, though, aren't they? Like, Cam Newton, I would imagine, at least starts the season. It's too much, whatever it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, he, I thought he looked really good the first couple games. Like, like that Sunday night game, week two, they played Seattle, Seattle and he yeah. actually looked great that <laughs> he looked night. He good. The, the, uh, the Patriots did. Yeah, I think we, I think you might have been working that night with me. And I think we were talking about how impressive Cam Newton did look. And I mean, it fell apart pretty quickly after that. But yeah, I, uh, I would imagine Cam Newton starts the year, but he says he has not been told either way. Uh, but we'll see uh, how that ends up going with the Patriots here, uh, whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones. Uh, 215-592-9494. In a minute, I do want to talk about the two former Eagles who made their return uh, to Philadelphia as members of the Patriots. Uh, first, let's go to David in Texas. What's up, David? Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Good. Um, well, I wanted to talk about Ben Simmons first and and the Eagles. Sure. Um, one thing you were asking about, um, Benson, but the videos, well, what would you, what's wrong with him posting the videos? And like, what video would you rather see of him posting? I'd rather see no videos. I would rather see absolutely nothing from Ben Simmons than him posting videos about driving past, you know, five, seven guys well, in the gym. I don't well, care about that. Well, there's not. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Ben Simmons posting any videos of him working out. That's what. That's what, that's just. That's. What but it's about, but it's all just but, about any player. That's what every NBA M- NBA player does. So but David, what I, what player posts videos of them burying three pointers and they never shoot three pointers in the game? Like, what is the point of doing that? It doesn't matter. He's working out. I don't know why people get angry with him posting videos. He's actually in the video. He's actually in the uh, 
gym, working out, working on your game, and people are mad that he's posting it. I remember when he, after the season ended, he was in Wimbledon, and people were mad that he was at Wimbledon saying he needs to be in the gym. Well, he's in the gym, and people are mad that he's doing that. Well, so, David, I'm, no well, matter what, I'm, I'm no curious. No matter what Ben posts, people get mad. Well, I'm, I'm curious in this, in this respect. Like, so it doesn't bother you when he is in a gym and he's knocking down three-pointer after three-pointer, showing that he is able to physically do this, but then refuses to do it in a game, that's something that doesn't bother you at all as somebody who roots for the team? Well, would I do I wish that he was a good shooter? Yes. Now, I always say Ben should attack more. He needs to attack the basket more. That's better because he's not a good shooter. But the but yeah, he does he does these videos and he doesn't uh do the same things, whatever, in games. But that's besides the point. He's still he's still working out. I don't know why anybody gets mad about that. He's he's still working out, trying to get better, just like every NBA player does, posting videos. Every single NBA player does it. And I mean, I've never seen Joel Embiid posting videos, but Yes he does. He, he posts does he, he posts videos with uh with, uh, Tom, what's his name? Uh, his trainer. They, well, anyway, they, there's videos posted that, yeah, they, they post it. I, I've okay. seen them post it. And people say they don't see how Ben Simmons can come back. I don't see how he can't come back. I mean, he, he should. I mean, I don't see how it would be weird or anything at all because he's <laughs> he helps his win. So it's not weird at all. I expect him to be back. I expect him to be on the team. And the, the players would love him. Um, his teammates love well, as well, loving the t- in the locker room. Well, d- David, I mean, Joel Embiid basically said he was the reason they lost game seven. You think that relationship's just fine? You think Joel Embiid yeah. wants him back? I don't. I think it's, I think it's just fine. I think Embiid loves play with him because proof that Ben and Joe work is, is obvious that they, they do well together. Now it's not a perfect fit, but they obviously when they're on the, court they do better so they, they love playing with each other so no I, i'm i definitely think i definitely think and want ben back not okay. gonna be worried at all he's, he's coming back okay and well, we're better with it see it differently um, there, ben. That's yeah fine. i just i just uh, don't get why everybody just angry at ben like that yeah i get the one play he didn't dunk I get it. I didn't like that either, but David, I mean, it was the entire, it was the entire series. He took four, he took three shots in seven fourth quarters in that series. Like these are like, you you don't, you don't think he was a primary reason they lost the series. No, the primary reason we lost with doc rivers, he's the primary reason we lost. Now, Ben Simmons, he, yes, he, I'm not going to say he played great. He did a, not shoot like in the fourth quarter sometimes is that, but overall he, did you know that we were better with him on the court and all over in our four losses, we were better with him on the court when he was on the court and the four losses. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd hope so. I'd hope so, David. I mean, they should be better with him on the court. Yeah. Yeah. In the four losses, we were better with him on the court. That's what I'm saying. So we're better with Ben, in that series, we were better with Ben on the court. So even though he didn't shoot uh, particularly well or he didn't shoot at all like in the fourth quarter and then his foul shooting was bad, we are still better with him on the court. Uh, yeah, so I, got, Doc, I, I got you, was, David. Yeah. Okay. No, no, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I got, I got you. I appreciate the call. I just, I, I got to say, like, 
and and like the people who do defend Ben Simmons, the bar has gotten so low. Like it really is amazing. So the bar now is just well, the numbers say they're better with him on the court than off the court. Well, I I'd hope they're better with him on the court. He's supposed to be an all-star player. And if you're taking him off the court, like, who are you putting on? You're putting on Tyrese Maxey, a 19-year-old kid who I thought played very well in the playoffs. And I would actually argue in game six, Sixers won that game because Ben Simmons got in foul trouble early. And if he didn't, they probably don't win that game. But I don't don't know what your take is on it, Kyle, but I just... I just think, you know, the the range on Ben Simmons is just there's this love-hate thing and the people that love him just don't hold him to the standard he should be held to. Yeah, I got two main gripes with the things that David said. And one of them is he he said that um Ben Simmons helps the Sixers win games, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, he helps them win regular season games. Right. We saw in the playoffs that uh, the other team literally created a strategy around him being on the court in late-game critical situations and turning it into an advantage for them to win the game. I mean, fouling him, and Doc had to take him off uh, and put him back on You know, just in the last few minutes. You don't want to have to do that with your starting point guard. The other thing is, he kept saying that everyone's like really angry with Ben Simmons, and, and maybe I'm in the minority here. I'm not angry that he posted those videos. I'm more. I'm, it's more just a boy who the boy that cried wolf type thing. It's nobody's buying this anymore. And we've been seeing it for years and years and the results never, ever translate to what we see on the court in the playoffs. And we as fans have been saying this for years is that we know he does this stuff in the off season. We know he does this stuff in the regular season, but when it comes time to actually win games, when it matters, he's completely out of it. He disappears. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a good way to put it is like, it's not, I'm not angry that Ben Simmons is posting these videos, but it's like, at what point are you going to put these things into practice? Like if you are showing yourself shooting threes in a practice gym, that's fine. We see him shooting threes before games, but if you're not going to shoot them during the game, what are we like? What is the point? And why do you continue to do this when he's not stupid? He knows that this is going to get this kind of reaction. Like, there's no... And maybe he doesn't care. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he just didn't care. But, like, Ben Simmons has got to know that he's going to get this kind of reaction when, you know, you're doing this stuff and, and, and you're not improving. And, okay, I guess if he comes back in October and he's a completely different player, and he's decided he's going to expand his offensive game, then I'll I'll be the first one to apologize to him. Seriously. And I'll say, you know, posting those videos, whatever you're doing, he did what he needed to do, you know, and, and if he can do this and do it during the regular season and do it in the postseason, then we'll all look like idiots for doubting him. But until he does that, like, there's no reason to believe that it's going to happen. And I just don't believe it's going to happen. And I was I was a Ben Simmons defender up until this playoff run. But the one thing that always worried me was and I even thought he didn't need to 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 shoot within the course of a game. But it, it, the mental problems that he has shooting the ball extended to the free throw line. And if he is afraid to go to the free throw line, and this has always been his biggest issue, then it affects the rest of his game. And you saw it in that series. It crippled him as a player. 
He was not the same player in that Atlanta series that we have come to know. And even if you are a Ben Simmons fan, and this is part of the problem I have with the people who are still defending Ben, is they will not acknowledge the problems that he had in that series. And then it significantly cost the team. It's like, oh, well, we'll gloss over it, but look at Doc and look at all these other things. No. The reason they lost that series was because of Ben Simmons. And it's really it's really not all that complicated uh, to, to, to look at when you're evaluating what happened there. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to Mike in Delaware. What's up, Mike? Yo, Mike. Hey, Tom. What's up, man? Oh, sorry, buddy. Um, Eagles point is Sixers point also, if that's okay. Sure. Um, when it comes to that division, I'm a, don't get mad at me. I'm a huge Cowboys fan, but if Dak Prescott – um, this guy, he's driving me crazy. I see, and, and Fitzpatrick, like you're saying, 8-9 is going to win the division in my eyes. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. 8-9? I think it's yeah. it's possible, Mike. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I think, really, any of the teams have a chance. Like, I'm I'm much more down on the Giants than anybody else. But yeah, I don't get the Giants. Yeah, the, I think Eagles, Cowboys, Washington – all yeah. have a legit shot to get to to eight nine wins and and nine and eight eight nine like yeah. somewhere right in there and it's going to be like the division games are going to be crucial crucial this season yeah Mike and and uh, for for the Cowboys honestly I do think it all comes down to Dak's health like their Dak defense right. their defense isn't isn't very good but if Dak's healthy the Cowboys probably are the best team but but you got to be a little concerned about this shoulder thing right now. Oh, no doubt I am, and I'm, I love my Cowboys, but uh, the kid from Penn State looks really good. I know it's only preseason. Um, Parsons, I yeah. Think, uh, yeah, he looks really good. I mean, I know, again, it was only one preseason game. but Yeah, no, he, I think he's going to be a player, Mike. I think that was a good pick for yeah, him at 11. That kid's going to be a beast. Um, with the Sixers, it was absolutely Ben Simmons. I mean, who's kidding ourselves? <laughs> he was brutal. Yeah, it just, it, it's just it's crazy, Mike. I just don't. I just don't get what people, you know, see when you look back at those games that they lost in that series and why they lost. Like it's 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 pretty obvious that it was because Ben Simmons stopped wanting to play offense. Yeah, and I think you touched on something. I've been saying it for months. I don't think it's physical or athletic ability. It's it's absolutely it's a mental block. Something's wrong with him when it comes to shooting the basketball. It's mental. It's not physical, and it's not his athletic ability. You know, so I agree with you. I yeah. think it's a mental block somewhere. Yeah, no, that's what I think too, Mike. And I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. And and it's something that's going to need to get corrected. Like, and and you know, he could go through his career and not improve and be a successful player, but he's never going to be the player that he could be. And I think that, and that's another part of the problem, and part of what's so frustrating. Is because you do see the potential. Like, you do see the ability for him to be so much more. But, like, the Sixers are not in, in the type of situation in their development where they can wait around. Like, you have Joel Embiid. You got to go for it now. And, I mean, if that means moving on from Ben Simmons, that's what you got to do. But, I mean, you can only do that if, if there's a deal to be made. And at this point, it, it does not appear like there is. 215 592 Nine four nine four. But I did want to um get to this real quick. In terms of the Eagles, as they're having these practices with the Patriots this week, and two players made their return with the Patriots, signed there in the offseason, who have kind of 
I think, odd reputations in this city. In Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills. And uh, Zach Berman of The Athletic uh, tweeted something out on Monday morning that got a lot of reaction. And I don't disagree with his take here. And this is what Zach tweeted out. He said, Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills make their returns to Philly today with the Patriots. Both received considerable criticism at times during their five-year stints, but there wouldn't have been a parade down Broad Street without them. Two of the better Eagles of the past decade. And it's interesting when you look at both those guys. And I would tend to agree with a lot of that. And I'm curious how people view Aguilar and Jalen Mills. I mean, I'll start with Mills. I think Jalen Mills was incredibly underrated here. Like, he was not a lockdown corner. He was not a guy that you're going to trust to shadow another team's number one. But he was a reliable defensive back. And, you know, you look at last year, all the issues the Eagles had at corner, they had to move Jalen Mills back there. I don't think they ever should have moved him to safety to begin with. Um, And... Like, you could get mad at Jalen Mills, and he'd get burned sometimes, and people wouldn't like when he did the finger-wag thing after, you know, an incomplete pass that he didn't really break up. He was just kind of in the area. But I don't know. Like, I like a guy who is competitive and shows emotion and likes to get after it, and Jalen Mills was that guy. I was, I was a big fan of Jalen Mills when he was here. Yeah, I think it's easier to look back fondly on guys that aren't here, you know, when they're not exactly uh, putting you in, mm-hmm. in the, like, you know, like you mentioned with the finger wag with Jalen Mills. I mean, that was obviously pretty uh, aggravating when when we were watching it happen on the field. I, I think both Mills and Aguilar are kind of victims of tough situations. I mean, obviously the Super Bowl season, they were they both did their part. They were both great, but Aguilar was going through multiple wide receivers, coaches, kind of never really got put in one good position, like they had him in the slot outside. You know, he never could really get uh, his feet under him. And Jim Schwartz didn't exactly put his cornerbacks in the greatest positions to succeed. So all things considered, you know, the guy being his seventh-round pick, yeah, I, I, I'll look back at, on Jalen Mills' time here fondly. I think one of my favorite memories of that season is him running away uh, from the Julio Jones stop with, you know, his arms in the, the eagle position. Yeah. I mean, I'll just have that image burned into my brain forever. Yeah, and he, he competed his ass off on that play. And another thing I really liked about Jalen Mills is, like, you'll see so many corners who don't want any part of contact. Like, Asante Samuel is a hell of a player and a great corner for the Eagles, but Asante Samuel didn't want to tackle anybody. I mean, Jalen Mills was competitive, he was physical, and, you know— for a town that's supposed to love defense and physical play, I was surprised how much heat Jalen Mills took because he was criticized a lot, but he was a really important player and a good player. And as far as Aguilar goes, Aguilar's career here is so interesting because three out of the five years he was here were pretty bad. Like 2015, uh, didn't do a whole lot. That was the final year of Chip. There was a lot going on there. On going on there. 2016 was the year where Aguilar just totally short circuited. He had that game in Seattle where he dropped multiple balls, and then I remember a Monday night game against Green Bay um, where they actually deactivated. He was a healthy scratch, and I mentioned Paul Turner earlier as a training camp hero. Paul Turner was actually just activated 
over Nelson Aguilar. It got that bad, and those first two years for him were were disastrous. Yet, Nelson Aguilar comes back in 2017 and has an unbelievable season. Like, is one of the better wide receivers in the league. Is extremely productive. And if, I mean, his Super Bowl performance is one of the one of the most important in that game. I believe he was the Eagles' leading receiver in that game. I think he was. And, you know, Zach Ertz gets credit for the touchdown on that drive, but Aguilar got them all the way down the field on that drive. Oh, he did do something on that drive that annoyed me, though. When he went out of bounds, because I was at that point thinking we could run it all the way down and kick a field goal, oh, and he yeah. went out of bounds yeah. at one point. <laughs> and I was, I, at that point, I was so amped up. I was just nervous. But Give him a break. We won the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. But he was tremendous that year. 2018 was okay. I mean, there's a lot of quarterback issues going on that year. And then 2019 kind of had a bad season again. So like you can look at the bulk of Aguilar's career. And I think it's, it's tough for him because first round pick and you know, the way his career ended here and the way his career started here gives you kind of a bad taste, but uh, that Super Bowl year, he was incredibly important. And even though he didn't pan out the way you'd want a first round pick to like you draft a receiver in the first round, you're hoping that guy's going to be here for a decade. Didn't work out with Aguilar in that regard, but I mean, an incredibly important player. And I do think those are both guys who are underrated here is, uh, so I actually kind of just thought of this as you were saying it. I mean, considering all the high picks the Eagles have used on wide receivers in the past five, 10 years, was Aguilar the best one? Oh, yeah, I think (laughs) I've talked about this. I think let's think about it. I mean, going back to Macklin. Yeah. Who's a better receiver they've drafted than than Aguilar? <laughs> okay, I, don't, I don't think you can name one. And that was in 09 they drafted Macklin. They yes. drafted Deshaun, Deshaun in, 08, in 08. And Macklin in 09. Like, and you know what's even crazier? One, no, I would say number one is Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Number two's got to be Jordan Matthews. Oh, my God. That's right. Like, and <laughs> yeah, there's like, gotta be. that's how inept they've been with drafting receivers. So, I mean,. Cross your fingers for Devontae Smith. Yeah. I have a feeling. I have a feeling so, yeah. Devontae is going to be better yeah. than than some of these other guys, but certainly has not been a strong suit. Let's hope we can get two guys on this roster that are better than Nelson Aguilar. Yes, two guys. Yes, I that's mean, where I'm setting the bar at. Yeah, and hey, credit to Nelson Aguilar. He he got paid this year, but I want to know how you feel about Aguilar and Jalen Mills as they come back with the Patriots. I think two guys who you know took heat and at times. Uh, it was warranted, but at times it was over the top. And two guys who were pretty important to this team in the uh, stretch time they're here. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Let's go to Yolanda in Egg Harbor. Hey, Yolanda. Hey man, what's up? Listen, I um I like the way people always blame Ben Simmons for the Sixers losing, but they forget that Harris must have took at least six shots from four feet and under and missed all of them, and he gets paid more than Ben. No one ever blames him, and he missed a lot of bunnies. Well, at least he was taking them. But he missed them. Yeah, he did. He had a bad game, but at least he was taking them. I mean, that's the thing, Yolanda. Like, I kind of know, we kind of know Tobias Harris isn't that good, but at least, like, I'll take a guy who's shooting. I'll take a guy who's trying. I I, I would prefer that than somebody who's going to run and hide, and that's what I think Ben did. 
whether he ran or hit or nothing, um, Tobias needs to make those little bunny shots. Agreed. I'm sorry, four feet and under, come on, man, you're a basketball player. That's what you get paid for. And he missed a lot of shots, and he gets a lot more. He should get a lot more blame than Ben, whether Ben hit or not. I agree, Yolanda. He should get more blame. Tobias needs to make those shots. But, again, I mean, somebody's got to take him. I'm glad he at least took the shots. I'd rather get rid of him and keep Ben. I I I get that line of thinking, and I appreciate the call. I just don't think you're getting anything for Tobias Harris. And I I I I wonder. Yolanda sounds a lot like a lot like Mike Angelina. I wonder if this if that was Mike doing a little doing a little impressionist work there. Mike and I argue about this Tobias Ben thing all the time. I just don't think you're getting it. I'd love to trade Tobias Harris. But I don't think you're getting anything back for Tobias Harris that's going to help you. Like, I do think you're going to get something back for Ben Simmons that can help you. So that's uh, the reason why I would look to trade Ben uh, before Tobias. If you trade them both and totally remake this team, I'd certainly look into that as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly. I see Adrian's on the line. We'll talk to Adrian when we get back. Uh, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. At the top of the hour, we'll do our weekly check-in with uh, Dave Uram of KYW News Radio. We're doing these weekly uh, weekly check-ins with Dave, which is always uh, always interesting to get his a very unique perspective on things. So we'll talk to Dave uh, at 4 o'clock. But talking about the Eagles and their joint practice with the Patriots. And one of the stories to come out of it, um, on Monday at least, was Jalen Hurts and, uh, you know, reading Elliott's column, some of the other uh, beat writers as well, is that Jalen Hurts looked phenomenal on Monday. And it was probably his best practice yet. uh, And that he clearly outperformed both Cam Newton and Mac Jones uh, on the other side. I mean, Mac Jones, obviously a guy who Jalen Hurts played with for a few years at Alabama. Um, First-round pick of the Patriots is here, Cam Newton. Don't need to say much about Cam Newton. Everybody knows uh, his career and what he has accomplished. But, you know, it really didn't surprise me that Hurts would play well in that kind of circumstance or that he played well in the game. And this is kind of the thing when you look at Jalen Hurts and why it doesn't trouble me that much when people say, oh, he's missing some of these throws in practice. Because I just think there are some guys that are just like gamers, and I think that's what Jalen Hurts is. And he gets up for these kind of situations. And I think it's it's something that you learn and something that is beneficial when you play at a college. At, well, college is in Jalen Hurts' um, experience at Alabama and Oklahoma, where... You are in these big kind of spots and you kind of relish those opportunities. And I think he likes the spotlight. And we have seen this throughout his career. And even last year when he's coming into a difficult situation where the offense and the team aren't playing well, Doug is being rumored to be fired. Carson Wentz and all these reports about him wanting out didn't seem to affect Jalen Hurts at all. He came in against New Orleans, against Arizona and took command of the team and didn't seem bothered one bit 
about it. And I don't think he's going to be a guy who is going to shrink in these big moments or be intimidated by the spotlight. But I did want to play this again. I, I played this last night, but like um, the, the most ridiculous thing that I'm seeing from a national media perspective, and it's just so lazy. And that's what bothers me the most is when people don't prepare to do their jobs. And like this perception that Jalen Hurts is actually competing for a job now is laughable to me. Like it really is laughable to me that anybody thinks that Jalen Hurts isn't the starting quarterback of this team or needs to be announced as a starting quarterback. And I, I've never understood this. I mean, people wanted Jalen Hurts being announced as a starter in May and June. and It doesn't matter. Like, who cares when the Eagles announce him as a starter? He's going to be the starter week one. And uh, Joy Taylor of Fox Sports went on this rant yesterday, and it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I wanted to play it again uh, just because it, it is it is absolutely ridiculous and just completely uninformed from a national perspective. I have maybe never seen a team fumble the bag more spectacularly or quickly than the Philadelphia Eagles. What a fall from grace. And can we please normalize quarterback competitions being a disaster? You know who doesn't have a quarterback competition? Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. The Buffalo Bills. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Seattle mm. Seahawks. The Los mm. Angeles Rams. You know who does have a quarterback competition? The Philadelphia Eagles, who we can all consensusly agree that they're going to be the worst in the division, in what is arguably the worst division in the NFL. So this is not a this is not an accomplishment to have a quarterback competition. He's got to earn the spot. You don't have a guy. That's what you're saying. You don't have a guy at quarterback. Now, I believe that this should be Jalen Hurts' team. You drafted him in the second round. To Chris's point, you ruin your relationship with Carson Wentz. Everything is a disaster because of this situation. Why would it not be Jalen Hurts' job? Jalen is young. This is his second year. We know what Joe Flacco is. We know exactly what Joe Flacco is. We saw it last year. Joe Flacco is a backup quarterback in this league right now. If Joe Flacco is the starter of your team, you are in big trouble. And that's no disrespect to Joe Flacco, who once won a Super Bowl. But this is a different situation now. You have to give the team to Jalen Hurts. You have to allow him the grace to fail. Otherwise, why did you pick him? He has got to be the future or you have to find out this year. So this whole back and forth quarterback competition are going to take reps. You know what Joe Flacco is. You have to find out what Jalen Hurts is. And there's value in failing. So allow him to go out there and learn. What a disaster the Philadelphia Eagles are. It is not a good thing to have a quarterback competition. Listening Listening to that for the second time. It just makes it even worse. Like, is there one fact that she got right in that entire two minute rant? <laughs> I'm seriously uh, baffled when, first of all, when you mentioned just like the teams with the best quarterbacks in the league not having quarterback competition. Yeah, the two teams that were just in the Super Bowl. Wow. You know, that is <laughs> yeah, unbelievable hitting. research. But like the lack of like just knowledge about a very simple situation, just astonishing. Yeah. Uh, Joy Taylor is an idiot. I mean, yes. she took two minutes to say all that when she could have basically just said, I have no idea what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Right. She, she read headlines. It didn't bother, like you said, to do any sort of preparation for herself. And then this is it, the day after the preseason game, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Who, 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 after Jalen Hurts took all the starting reps. 
with the ones. And you know what might have even made it worse? Colin Coward in the background going, mm, mm, like, oh, yeah, great point. Great point. Like, shut up, Colin. Well, I don't oh, wait, I, no, it's not Colin I actually, anymore, right? Yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't Colin. That was a different show. Yeah. She's on Colin's show. But that was a that, that was, was first some other things idiot. first or okay. something. Yeah, well, it might have been. Uh, I yeah, I don't know who it was. Whoever that was. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just uh, idiotic. And like this is the thing, like this idea that naming Jalen hurts the quarterback. Like, do people think if the Eagles just name him the quarterback that okay, well they're not trading for anybody now. They're not going to go out and trade for Deshaun Watson, or they're not going to go out and look to improve the team. No, it wouldn't mean anything. It would just mean okay. They name this guy the starter for now, and they're still going to look to go improve. Like, yeah, I, I honestly think by not naming him, you're you're kind of maybe putting less pressure on him. Where it's like Jalen Hurts doesn't need to like maybe now I'm overthinking it, but it just it's just odd. This fascination with naming him the starting quarterback is just weird. No, I think I it's something. It. It's something that matters to the media and to the fans more than it probably does to Jalen Hurts and the guys in the locker room. I mean, they all they all know what the deal is. And it, it's and it's less about Jalen Hurts and more about Joe Flacco. I mean, just, like nobody thinks in their right mind that Joe Flacco is going to take over this quarterback competition. Right. Not even Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> and, and it's the thing, like it clearly doesn't bother Jalen Hurts. Right. It, it, and really that's the only guy that matters. And if it doesn't bother Jalen Hurts, then what are we what are we freaking out about here? Yeah. And the one the one place I will agree is that quarterback competitions I, I think are pretty dumb and I think they're outdated. Yeah, I, I I suppose. I mean, if you have two guys who are somewhat equal, I'm okay with I'm okay with a little quarterback competition. Like uh like a it's good Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill battle royale. Jameis has got to win that. Please, come on, Sean Payton. Just give Jameis the job. Taysom Hill stinks. And at least Jameis will give us a little fun. Jameis Winston is highly entertaining. Did you hear last week when uh, he um, meant to say the word tandem and instead he said condom? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff you'll get from only Jameis Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston. That's exclusive Jameis Winston right there. That's a a Jameis Winston exclusive right there, so... Uh, yeah, I would love to. I, I, I'm always, I'm always up for more Jameis. He's an entertaining, an entertaining quarterback to watch. Uh, and I would like to see see him, uh, see him at the helm of the Saints this year. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Adrian. What's up, Adrian? <laughs> I mean, what's all the denial? I mean, let's, let's get out of this scenario. Y'all got the least, most experienced football team in the NFC East. Which last year, you know, y'all was four eleven and one. Y'all tied with Cincinnati. Y'all tied again with Cincinnati. You mean to tell me from four eleven and one, y'all gonna come back and win a division with a first year coach that says rock paper scissors with a quarterback that y'all won't name the starter with Flacco? I mean, come on. And then you know your, your producer, he gonna he gonna keep harping on how good y'all offensive line was. That was twenty seventeen. Y'all had a, and this this how great y'all offensive line was. I had a quarterback, a number one pick quarterback. He had an injury that I never even heard before. I didn't even know you could break your back. Hey, come on, man. That's, I mean, y'all yeah, he's so not. I mean, he's not. He's not the quarterback any. He's not the quarterback anymore, Adrian. No, but what I'm what I'm saying is, y'all still got this offensive line that's supposed to be so great. But here y'all had a here y'all had a quarterback that had so many injuries and couldn't hardly. He only played one year, I think, out of four. So well, he's a, he's probably, an idiot. He take he take. 
Hits, he put himself in bad situations. Jalen Hurts no, won't do that. No, the offensive line put him in bad situations. No. They couldn't protect him. Adrian, they you don't you him. don't watch these games that closely. You're watching the Giants. And by the I way, mean, the, Gi- the Giants beat the Bengals by two points last year. So what are you what are you bragging about there? What we won the game. That's the whole thing. We won the game. And we beat one your, everybody in our division last year. One of your six and, wins. Congratulations. And we beat everybody in the division last year, which I think y'all lost to everybody in the division last year. Very but impressive. With, where do y'all get all the stuff that y'all think y'all going to be so good? Come on out of this denial stuff and tell the truth. Tell it like a T.I. is. Y'all going to stink this year. Well, Adrian, we got we to gotta, we gotta make some sort of a bet here because I can guarantee you the Eagles will finish with a better record than the Giants. So we got – I don't know what the terms are going to be. We can negotiate over the next couple weeks, but you better be ready to pay off when the Eagles kick their ass. Hey, listen, Twice this y'all year. Y'all so bad that y'all was gonna bring a perv in here. The only reason y'all don't bring the pervert in here is because how bad the fans didn't want him and how bad publicity y'all start getting him when y'all start talking about bringing him in. That 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 talk died down a lot. He's a backup. Jalen Harrison's a backup in the NFL. Do you know what the NFL stands for? Any one of y'all too. I mean, y'all rookie. Adrian, who do, well, who do what do you think? Do you think Danny Dimes is better than Jalen Hurts? It ain't even close. Based on Adrian, based based on what? Like, what do you? T- based on what have you seen from Daniel Jones to make you think you this understand. dude can play? You gotta have you you, you gotta be you have to be in the league. You gotta have some experience in this league. Yeah. Don quarterback our team for the last three years. He has more experience than him. And trust me, we got way more weapons than y'all got. Y'all got a bunch of question marks. And then uh, y'all took the Heisman, y'all stole the Heisman guy. How did that work out for you guys? This bum is hurt already. What are you talking about? He's back. He was back at practice yesterday, Adrian. Yeah, I, I can hear the fear in your laugh. I really can. It's sad. to make you laugh will make you cry. Appreciate it, Adrian. Thanks for the call. The Giants, I, I can't wait to see this implode. I really can't. Like, I can't stand Joe Judge. I can't stay the, the Jason Garrett thing. Him, coach, hey, oh, coach, what a clown! <laughs> you got to call like, him coach. What a what a disgrace! He's not even like, he's, it's not even in his title, right? He's I, a coordinator, right? You're cool. You're, yeah, you're not you're not that coach, uh, Jason. But yeah, an offense led by Jason Garrett, Daniel Joe. All I'll say is Adrian better pray that Saquon Barkley is healthy and he's ready to carry the ball 40 times a game. There there was a tremble in that laugh by the way. Because, oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, he's got the same he's got the same script over and over. Adrian's <laughs> got to come with something new cuz I can tell he doesn't even believe what he's saying. Like he really doesn't. No, he doesn't no. think Daniel Jones is any good. No, well he was talking out his rear end with the Daniel Jones thing. I mean, experience? When the hell does that matter? Carson Wentz had 5 years of experience last year and he was the worst quarterback in the, in all of football. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And their only chance to be somewhat respectable is if Saquon Barkley just has this ridiculous, like like a year like Derrick Henry had two years ago, where they just rely on him heavily, but that's not even going to work because their offensive line sucks. Yeah, you, so, you can smell a dumpster fire with this team from a mile away. And I'm with you. Joe Judge, is, he's a fake football guy. And it's all going to start piling up when Daniel Jones is losing him games at the beginning of the year, and then all the players are like, hold on, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, and like I like Kenny, Kenny Galladay's really good, but if you don't have a quarterback and get him the ball, like it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and, and they're a team with just pretty much no direction whatsoever. I mean, they 
panicked in the draft when we took their guy from right out in front of them. Yeah. I, I mean, and they've been kind of doing, they've been in the middle of wanting to rebuild and just retool for the past like four or five years. No, and, and you know what? What really has shown me what losers they are is like the crying that is continued oh. about about the Eagles tanking that game. <laughs> it, oh my yeah. God, it brings me so much joy. And even amongst like Giants fans, like I... I was texting back and forth with my old college roommate, and he's still upset about it. He's a Giants fan. Oh. I'm down the shore this past weekend with my uh, my cousin's husband. He's a big Giants <laughs> fan, and he he say he, I I can't believe the Eagles did that. Like it brings me so much joy. Has an Eagles loss ever felt better? Oh, it is never never felt better. And like and again, like I said this at the time, people Eagles fans who were complaining about that, it's just stupid. Like, if that was the Cowboys, everybody was celebrated. Yeah. Everybody would, oh, well, great, we kept the Cowboys out of play. So why did we view the Giants any different? No, get a grip. It's all about, oh, look, the integrity of the game. Like, shut up. Yeah, and then it got them to pick to steal Devontae Smith, and I hope Devontae Smith goes for 200 yards against them this year. That would be that would be the best. Uh, 215-592-9494. When we get back, I see our buddy Peter Lawrence. Peter in Lawrence is on. Not Peter Lawrence. Peter in Lawrence is on the line. So I'll talk to Peter when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494. Uh, we'll get some more Philly stuff coming up in the four o'clock hour as well. They start series out west. I'm always a big fan of West Coast trips, West Coast baseball. Being a late night guy, uh, it's always enjoyable. We've always been uh, on the same page about the the late, the prime time games, the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's the same. I was just talking to my buddies about this earlier. I love baseball games to start after nine p.m. Oh, I it's love great! It. So you get two nine forty first pitches the next couple nights. Then it'll kind of a weird th- Thursday is going to be cool though because you have a Phillies three forty game that should you know if the, these games are typically like three and a half hours these days and then the Eagles and Patriots are at seven thirty so that's a nice little doubleheader Phillies should end right before the Eagles and then uh, this weekend uh, San Diego ten ten even better oh yeah uh, so very that, that made my week that. when I saw those those late start times. oh it's great like it is it is great. Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to Peter and Lawrence. What's up, Peter? Well, I wasn't going to call till that guy started ripping the Eagles. That was was disgraceful, wasn't it, by Um, Adrian? I don't like the Giants. I like the Giants eh, if the Eagles don't get in. But Dallas, I can't stand Dallas. Now, that's the thing, Peter. I am... I am one of the rare people who hates the Giants more than the Cowboys. You hate the Giants more than you hate Dallas. I do. I do. I hate the, the, especially the, when Dallas, the Cowboys, came to Philadelphia. The Cowboys in my lifetime, Peter, have just been kind of irrelevant. Like other than the '90s, they they haven't really been a threat to the Eagles over the last twenty years or so. No, but this 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 team, the Eagles. I watched the preseason game. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to jinx nobody. But Jalen Hurts was three for seven. To me, I want to see him throw at least 20 passes. I was pleased with Flacco. But the, the young quarterback, Mullins, 
in the fourth quarter. I just hope he doesn't feel bad about his performance because basically the game was lost in the fourth quarter. Well, I and think a little re- bit in the third. Well, Peter, I think he's feeling bad about his performance because it might not help him get another job. No, it probably won't. But it, you know, you um, even when I played, when I didn't play college ball, but when you're young, your peers, your seniors and juniors, give a boost to a sophomore or a freshman, and. It's it'll it'll do something good for him if he gets cut and he latches on somewhere else. At least he'll know he has some kind of support to go on to something better. Yeah, I mean, well, Follow? Peter, I yeah, I hope he he does get picked up somewhere because I he is going to get cut. The Eagles are not going to keep Nick. Mullins. And a little bit out of Phillies, um, you know, the gentleman who called and ripped Nola. Mm-hmm. Nola is seven and seven. It's better than being four and seven. Better than being two and three. And his ERA of four point four eight is not that bad. At least, oh, Peter, that is bad for Aaron Nola, who's supposed to be you know an ace pitcher. Four point four eight is pretty bad. That's not. And I, that's not anything to be proud of. Baseball in California. I went to see the Phillies in two thousand three. Play the Giants. There you go. And I had to sit in the outfield in McCovey Cove. Nice. And when it got to extra innings, you know, you are in a alien, not, well, you know. Uh, an alien ballpark in your, environment. You're not in Veteran Stadium. You're not in Citizens Bank Park. Yep. You are in Pac Bell Park. There you go. And I had to wear a giant shirt. Oh. Hi. And as soon as Pat Barrel hit the home run to win the game. Uh-huh. I started to leave, and the guy said, you can't leave now. I said, oh, yes, I can. I took off that that Giants jersey, and underneath was Michael Jack Schmidt. There you go. You got him, Peter. Bye, and I left that stadium very quickly. (laughs) There you go. Because I wanted to leave alive. There you go. Well, I appreciate it, Peter. That was a good story. You have a nice night. You have a good one, Peter. Appreciate it. Is that your first time, Kyle, hearing a Peter and Lawrence call, or have you? That was, yeah. And and you know what? I he brought up two pet peeves of mine, and well, I thought what I thought was going to be a violation wearing the other team's uniform at at their ballpark. Yeah, the the Schmidt jersey was was a solid reveal, little punchline there. But (laughs) is there uh is there anything? Well, I was going to ask: Is there anything less relevant than uh pitcher wins and losses? But it's but there is. It's the score or the outcome of a preseason game. Yes, and I like. This is one of my biggest pet peeves of all times when people mention, oh, like the Eagles after their preseason loss to the Steelers. Like, no, it was after their preseason game against the Steelers. Like, the fact that it was a loss means absolutely nothing. Can we stop talking about anything that happened in the game relative to how it affected the outcome? That bothers me a lot. Yeah, well, that that you worked up about that. I, I was yeah. As soon as he met, like, because he said it on the phone with me, and I'm like, he's like, oh, Nick Mullins, like, you know, shouldn't feel bad about like. You know, losing the game or something I'm like, yeah, like obviously he shouldn't because it's a meaningless oh, man, game. I'll tell you what, my, I, 
I know he was bad against the Eagles last year in that Sunday night game, but I'm like, all right, well, this is at least the guy who's played in the league before. Yeah, he looked horrendous. He was terrible. I mean, <laughs> there, and I will say something that encouraged me a little bit is everybody's bashing the Flacco signing when they made it, and they probably they may have overpaid a little yeah. bit, but. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good with Flacco as the backup. Like, you feel decent about it now. If, if Hertz were to go down for a game or two, Joe Flacco might be able to come in and keep you afloat. Yeah, he, 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 can, he knows how to run a team. You know what? The, the Mull, that Mullins performance kind of made me think about just how good of an offensive coach Kyle Shanahan is because he yeah. was able to make him look. I mean, when I say he looked bad out there during that preseason game, I mean that might be an understatement. He was horrendous. Uh, was, <laughs> that was some of the worst quarterbacking I've ever seen. Oh, I mean, and and the person who's got to be more irritated than anybody is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. <laughs> he had wide open for a touchdown. Yeah. Ortega-Whiteside's got to be thinking, okay, well, this might be my ticket to make the team. This, this is his last bid. And Mullins waits like two seconds too long, and by the time he lets the ball go, there are three defenders there. It's an easy pick. Poor J.J. Oh, man, can never yeah. catch a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, we'll uh, talk to to Dave Uram, KYW News Radio, uh, get his take on everything going on. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly in for Big Daddy Graham on a Tuesday morning. Now we are joined by uh, KYW News Radio uh, anchor, sports reporter, Dave Uram, uh, for his weekly uh, visit with us. What's going on, Dave? TK, what's happening? Uh, not much. I'm sorry. I forgot your music today, Dave. I know uh, that was probably that you you very much enjoy your, your music once a week. I, I forgot to play that for you. I apologize. I've grown really fond of the boy from Impanina song, uh, Impanima, that, that Al Morgani feels fits me so perfectly. You know, he stopped me in the hallway last week and he pointed something out to me that I think I should relay to you and Mike and I guess Kyle as well. Apparently, you guys have been playing the wrong version. Yeah, of he the told boy from Impanina. He says you guys have been playing the Ella Fitzgerald version, mm-hmm. and he thinks you should be playing the Diana Krall version. Yeah, he mentioned that to me too. Uh, but uh, there you go. There, uh, this, and this is the version we have been playing, I believe. So apparent, but Mike was telling me there's like five different versions of this song. I think there is, and, and I was I was listening on the radio over the week. I think there's also, I think Frank Sinatra also sang this song, but mm-hmm. I think he, he used different lyrics. I think his his song, his version was the girl from Impanina or something like that. All I right. feel like I heard something like that before. Well, maybe we'll do something where we just play a different version, uh, you know, each time. Mix it up. There's nothing wrong with mixing it up. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But uh, let's get into some stuff here, Dave. Uh, Eagles preseason game last week. They have these joint practices with the Patriots on Monday. And by all reports, you know, the Eagles, uh, I thought the first team or second teamers looked good against Steelers. They apparently mm-hmm. dominated this practice yesterday against the Patriots. There seems to be a growing optimism amongst the Eagles fans, Dave. Do you think it's warranted or do you think this is a bit of an overreaction? I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I mean, I think, look, if, if you hear that the team's doing poorly in practices, which a lot of people don't get to see, I have not seen any of the practices. I've just followed the reports like you have. When you hear that things aren't going well in practice, you take it with a grain of salt. When you hear things are going well in practice, that's exciting, but you also have to take it with a grain of salt. I think what happens in preseason action should also be taken 
with that same perspective, too. I always hearken back to the year that Sam Bradford was here, and the Eagles just tore it up in the preseason. But then, obviously, you know what happened in the regular season, which was Chip's final year. Mm -hmm. But that being said, with the way that the first and second team played the other night against the Steelers, I thought it was very encouraging. And it was also encouraging to hear that they were better than the Patriots yesterday. So there's no reason not to be positive. Yeah, and uh, one of the big things about the other night, Dave, and also from what I heard about practice yesterday not down there, was that Jalen Hurts looked really good. What were your thoughts on Jalen Hurts on uh, Thursday night last week against Steelers? I liked what I saw. I did. I know his numbers were 3 for 7 for 54, but there were a couple of drops. Obviously, if he hits Quez Watkins on that play, it's a 98-yard touchdown to the house. But I I liked what I saw from Hurts. He, He seemed poised. He seemed decisive. I liked it. It was only 10 plays, so it's a really super small sample size. Tough to go on, but if you're just going to go on the 10 plays, is that, if that's all you have, and who knows how much he's going to play Thursday if he does or the following week against the Jets. But just from those 10 plays, since that's the only sample that is out there right now from a game perspective, I, I, think, it's, I think it's something to – to be encouraged about going forward. And that's why, like, when I heard for the first 10 or so practices that he was really inconsistent, I, I really didn't, I didn't put much into it because they're seeing each other every day. It's the same thing every day. The, I think the defense is always going to be ahead of the offense. And also, as, you know what, and maybe I'm, you know, speaking too out of turn here, but why, why shouldn't we think, based on all the reports from training camp and based on what you saw from only one series against the Steelers last week, maybe this defense is better than it's, give, than it's been, being given credit for. Maybe this defense turns out to be pretty good, no? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think absolutely when you look at the defense and especially the defensive line, they have a lot of talent. When you look at Graham and Cox and, and Sweat and Barnett, and I think, Dave, another guy who, who – we didn't see the best of last year's Javon Hargrave, who was dealing with the injury the first half of the year, was much better in the second half. Um, but I think he is going to be a, a big addition on that front. Uh, what do you think about that defensive line? Do you do you see that as a major strength? He's supposedly having an excellent camp, based on all the reports down at the Novacare Complex. He's supposedly living up to that contract that the Eagles gave him last year, which you're right. For at least half of it or more than that, he did not live up to it. So I think you can't help but think of having big expectations for the defensive line, which was supposed to be the strength of the team last year. When it's healthy, it's supposed to be the strength, especially with all the money that they've invested in that D-line from Fletch to Hargrave to Brandon Graham, obviously Barnett's in a contract year, Josh Sweat. Yesterday, uh, yesterday Lane Johnson was asked who's been standing out so far in camp and he mentioned two players he mentioned Mylotta and he mentioned Josh Sweat he said he said I'm telling you Josh Sweat's going to break out so I I mean I, I think if the defensive line is what it's supposed to be then that'll just help everything out everything else out with the Eagles defense from the front all the way to the back now as far as the Eagles receivers Dave obviously you mentioned Quez Watkins earlier he had the big play last week they just miss on another big play as they get to the regular season here, you know, assuming Devontae Smith is back, uh, Quez Watkins has to be on the field over Jalen Rager, right? Uh, over Jalen Rager? I, I mean, if Jalen Rager's not performing, sure, he should be over Jalen Rager if he's not stepping up. 
But what, TK, why can't they, you know, I, I mean, why can't they be on the field at the same time? Why can't they run three or four wide receiver sets? I mean, I, I don't know what Sirianni's offense is going to look like, but apparently Rager's been picking it up a little bit. Right. I mean, I, I think all, you also have to, you know, be hesitant before you're, you get super excited about Rager based on what he's shown so far. But if Rager can pick it up, which apparently he had a decent practice yesterday based on what I'm reading, and if Watkins can keep this going, and if Devontae can come back healthy, and then you also have Greg Ward, they should be, they should be able to all play together. Agreed. I mean, that's the way that I look at it. Agreed. But, you know, assuming Zach Ertz is going to be on this team – Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, you figure, will both be on the field much of the time. So then you have Miles Sanders out there. You only have spots for two receivers. And I just feel like if if Sirianni and his thing is competition and Quez Watkins is outperforming Rager, at least in those sets, I think Watkins has got to be on the field. I I, I agree with you that if Watkins is outperforming Rager, then he should be on the field. I just, I I don't know. And maybe, maybe maybe I end up being wrong about this. But I just have a feeling that unless Jalen Rager absolutely flops for the remainder of the preseason, I just with the with the pick that they used on him, and I guess with the hopes that they have on him, I don't see him losing playing time to Quez Watkins unless Quez Watkins unless it's just unless he just keeps scoring seventy nine yard touchdowns or more. Um, now, could it be a situation where this regular season starts? Rager obviously is ahead on the depth chart but Watkins continues to perform the way that he does in the moments that he does get into the game or the moments in practice and Rager just isn't stepping up. Yeah, I could see them making a switch because it just would be too difficult to to stay with the same thing at that point. The public would be crying too much to make a switch. But if if on opening day against the Falcons, Jalen Rager is ahead of Quez Watkins, I would not be surprised by that. Just just for the given fact of his draft status last year. Mm Mm-hmm. And as far as Nick Sirianni, Dave, what were your impressions of him the other night? I mean, I thought the team looked pretty, you know, the word he used was crisp, and it seemed like, you know, there weren't a lot of mental mistakes. What were your impressions of Sirianni in his first game? I mean, that's super encouraging. That's something to really highlight as a positive, because for a team that, that has a new coaching staff and a lot of new players and a lot of players getting playing time for the first time, the offensive line coming back after several players were injured or missed time last year to have no pre-snap penalties, no egregious penalties where they, they keep using the phrase, you know, stuff that, you know, you don't need talent for. That's, that's the phrase that they keep using, stuff that doesn't require talent. When they're able to succeed at that, I think that, that that's the first good sign of, okay, they're organized. At least they look like a professional football team. You know, act like a professional, perform like a professional before having to go out and make the plays. That's a super positive sign. Other than that, the sample size is too small, I think, to really grade Sirianni properly. But so far, so good. His press conferences are super interesting. I'll give him credit for that. I mean, from us, from a news perspective, he definitely gives you something to work with. So from that standpoint, I think that's good as well. Now, whether that results in wins, I don't know. You know, some, the press conferences don't always result in victories on the field, but he's definitely winning the press conferences so far. Yeah, and I have a couple baseball for you, Dave, but one more football uh, before we get to that. Uh, two Eagles made their return. Yeah. Former Eagles made their return on Monday in Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills. We talked about a little bit earlier, kind of complicated legacies, guys that at times took criticism and, and maybe underperformed a little bit. 
How do you view Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills when you look back at their careers in Philadelphia? I'm glad you brought this up because I heard you talk about it, and I want to bring up a couple of stats uh, to, lead up, to lead off my point. If you go back to Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagle with the most receptions in Super Bowl 52 was Nelson Aguilar with nine for 84 yards. I feel like that that's forgotten too often. And Nelson Aguilar, despite everything else that went wrong with him in his tenure in Philadelphia, his, his uninspiring rookie season, the second year where, where he was a healthy scratch, as you mentioned, uh, that Seattle game, he didn't line up correctly, and I can't get that image of Greg Lewis out of my mind, Greg Lewis explaining to him how he didn't line up correctly. Lots of stuff with Nelson Aguilar that didn't go right. But he was very good in 2017, and in Super Bowl 52, he had nine receptions. He didn't have a touchdown, but he had nine receptions. He was huge in Super Bowl 52. Then you go further down the box score in Super Bowl 52. And who's leading the Philadelphia Eagles in tackles that night? Jalen Mills with nine. So for as maybe inconsistent or up and down both players were during their tenure in Philadelphia, they both played very well in Super Bowl 52. I know the, the, the defense gave up 33 points in over 500 yards. I understand that. But Mills still had nine tackles, six of them solo, and two pass deflections in Super Bowl 52. Another thing you have to remember about Jalen. Jalen was a seventh-round pick in 2016 and ended up being a starter for most, of the, most, if not all, of his tenure in Philadelphia. During that Super Bowl season, we often forget that at the beginning of the year, cornerback was a huge question mark. That's why they traded, they traded for Ronald Darby, because it was a huge question mark. And, and Sidney Jones, was, was injured out of college, so he wasn't supposed to play right away. Mm-hmm. Jalen Mills was not expected to be a starter and stepped in and was a reliable starter for the most part and also was covering Julio Jones on that big play against the Atlanta Falcons in that playoff game. Mm-hmm. Yes, as you mentioned, he gave up the deep ball a lot. Yeah, the finger-wagging, annoying to some fans. I, I understand that. But you know what? He played hard. He represented the Philadelphia Eagles well. He obviously took very much to the Philadelphia Eagles culture and fan base, dyeing his hair green, which he still kept it green. And the reason is is because he still considers himself the Green Goblin. Uh, last season, he spoke about how much it mattered to Philadelphia that they beat the Cowboys. Obviously, they were not successful uh, in, in one of those games beating the Cowboys. But still, he took, he took to heart being a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, he won a Super Bowl. He's a champion. Nelson Aguilar, who did not live up to the first-round billing that he had, that was not a Roseman pick. You know, I often criticize Roseman, but that was not a Roseman pick. Chip Kelly was in charge then. That was a chip pick. Mm -hmm. But still, he won a Super Bowl. He had nine catches in that Super Bowl. So while, yes, he did not live up to a first-round pick, I still look back on the tenure of Nelson Aguilar and went, when it mattered in Super Bowl 52, he stepped up. Agreed. And uh, let's switch over to baseball real quick, Dave. Phillies just two and four on this home. St- well, the the back end of the homestand after the, yeah. the Mets sweep. Kind of disappointing coming off that eight game winning streak. Now they go out west. But let's get to what happened Sunday. I mean, how concerned I, at this point? It's past concern. But do you see Aaron Nola turning it around at this point after another uninspiring performance? I don't think you can expect him to turn it around. If he does, that'll help the Phillies out a lot. 
I think he needs to turn it around to give them the best chance to make the playoffs. But he has not proven this season that he can turn it around. He's had some brilliant performances. That one game at the Mets where he struck out 10 in a row. Uh, I believe, I think he had a complete game this year. And then the conversation came up about whether or not he, he is an ace. And at the time, I said, yes, he is an ace. I know you, you, you have used the term. I see you, I've seen you tweet out hashtag fake ace. I've seen you tweet that out many times. Yep. But uh, I, unfortunately, but then, I've, I've been forced to. <laughs> but back then, when he had that complete game, and there were questions afterwards about whether or not he was an ace, I felt that he was an ace. Uh, the other night against the Dodgers, before it started to rain, he was spectacular. But then over the weekend against the Reds, he gives up a leadoff home run to Jonathan India, calms down a little bit, but he can't get out of the fifth inning. And there's been many, many starts this year where he has not pitched more than five innings. His ERA is over four. He's not what he was in 2018 when he was a Cy Young candidate. And it's been, you know, you can't, I, I don't think you, you can expect him over the next month and a half to turn it around. Does he have to in order to, for the Phillies to make the playoffs? I think so. But to expect him to do that, I mean, what has given you any indication that he's going to turn it around? I, I just, I don't think he will. And, and especially when he has a performance like he did against the Reds at home, where he's usually, where that's where he pitches better. He pitches better at home. And the Phillies, you know, the Phillies over the next few weeks, um, leading, you know, through September 8th, they only have six home games mm-hmm. through September 8th uh, over the next few weeks. So most of his starts are going to be on the road coming up. Um, and, then, and, then if, and then maybe I got this wrong. Maybe my memory serves me wrong. But hasn't he always performed worse when the weather gets colder or in the beginning of the season when the weather is colder? So in September, I mean, who knows what the way that the weather is these days, you know, the way the world is turning and climate change and whatnot. But assuming that the the temperature begins to dip in September, you know, is Aaron Nola going to, and he has not performed well in September, whether or not, whether factoring in or not in his career. So a lot of road games coming up leading into September where he hasn't pitched well. I think that if you're going to make a prediction, you have to predict that Nola probably won't improve and step it up like the Phillies need him to. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right, Dave. That's Dave Uram, KYW News Radio, uh, morning show sports anchor. What do you have coming up this morning, Dave? So we're going to talk about what happened with the Eagles yesterday and how they supposedly looked a lot better than the Patriots. You're going to hear from Jalen Hurts. You're going to hear from the former Eagles, Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar, uh, uh, Jordan Mailata. You're going to hear from him. He's apparently having, stepping it up and having a good camp. Uh, and on the other side, you'll also hear about the Phillies getting ready for this big series in Arizona. And I think it is a big series, TK. Mm-hmm. I think this series against the Diamondbacks is bigger than it's being made out to. I know that the Phillies schedule looks soft, as the word I've been hearing, over the next month or so. But you know what? Over the next week, they have the Padres on the road and the Rays at home. So of those eight out of 28 games that are against over 500 teams, five of them are within the next week. Meantime, the Braves are playing the Marlins and the Orioles, and the Braves have won 11 out of 13, and they don't seem like they're slowing down. And we know the Phillies don't perform well on the road. So if the Phillies don't take care of Arizona like they should this week, they might be five, four, five, six games behind by the time we talk next week. 
considering that the Phillies are at the Padres over the weekend, and then they host the Rays, for t- and the Rays are one of the best teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge, huge series this no. week at the Diamond. It's not, oh, well, the Phillies will probably beat them because the Diamondbacks are the worst team in baseball. You shouldn't expect anything. The Phillies are bad on the road, and meantime, the Braves have a cookie schedule as well. So, so I think that this series tonight is massive. No. No, no doubt, Dave. Well, I, we appreciate you hopping on for a few minutes. Uh, you can find him at Mr. Uram on Twitter. So uh, thanks for hopping on, Dave. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, DK. Take care. All right. Take it easy. And that's Dave Uram uh, joining us on the show. And it is a big series. And this is the thing when you look at this Diamondback series here. I mean, they're a bad team, but the Phillies have had trouble taking care of bad teams. And I think you got to win all three now. Like, you could have. I would have been fine with two of three if you would have split these games at home against the Dodgers and the Reds. But when you go two and four now, you got to make up these games somewhere. And this is a bad Diamondbacks team. The Phillies hopefully can sweep this series. They should. This is not. This is. I'm telling you, the Diamondbacks are really, really bad. Um, and you know, Jeff Passan uh, did a piece for ESPN.com uh, where. He did the calculations on it as far as he sees it. Uh, basically said that there are, as he phrased it, seven and a half really bad teams in Major League Baseball. And, you know, those teams include, I have this written down somewhere, and I'm trying to find exactly where I have it uh, written on my sheet. Here we go. But he basically did the calculations on it looking at strength of schedule. And says there are seven and a half really bad teams in baseball right now. The Orioles, the Royals, the Rangers, Marlins, Nationals, Pirates, D-backs, and I guess the half is the Rockies. Uh, You know, it's not that hard to figure out which teams he's talking about here. And of those games remaining against those teams, the Phillies have the most of anybody in baseball left against these seven really bad teams. They have 24. The Braves have 14. The Mets have eight. So you got to take advantage. Like when you're pa- playing against these teams and the Phillies have two series left with Arizona, they have a series with the Pirates at home, they have the Orioles at home, they play the Marlins again, they play the Nats again, they play the Rockies again. So the Phillies have by far the advantage on the other teams in the division from a strength of schedule perspective. And you need to take advantage of these games uh, against these teams. And the Phillies have an opportunity tonight. Hopefully they can, uh, you know, sweep this series in Arizona. Uh, they have Kyle Gibson going tonight. So you'd think that would bode well. Uh, they'll go Gibson, Suarez, and Wheeler in this series. So the way it lines up, the Phillies should be able to take care of business. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to get it done uh, this week because they got to keep pace. Braves now a game and a half up. Braves are playing really well, um, and uh, that's certainly the threat. So the urgency should be building for the Phillies. Uh, they need to find a way to take care of business this week out west. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Phillies might even be seeing an old friend this weekend in San Diego if we, if we uh, are lucky enough. The Phils will be seeing an old friend this weekend in San Diego. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP.
Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for about another 45 minutes or so here before we uh, talk to Al for the overlap show. If you want to get into 1-5-592-9494, it is still weird as you hear that promo there for Eagles Patriots on Thursday night. It's still just so weird to me that Tom Brady isn't the Patriot isn't the Patriots quarterback. Like is that something that that you have kind of struggled with Kyle like as I'm saying oh, throughout the course of the night this quarterback battle between Cam Newton and Mac Jones it's just it just doesn't feel natural Tom Brady not being the quarterback of the Patriots. I've TK I've, I've struggled with this immensely. Basically for the entire last season the Buccaneers have been the Patriots. I would look at the Buccaneers logo and be like, oh, the Patriots. Like, I, I, I'm, and I'm completely serious about that. Tom Brady just is the Patriots for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just odd. And it's never going to be natural seeing Brady in a different uniform. It's just never going to look right. But, yeah, I just, I, I just, it, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. Another th- part of it is now the Patriots kind of, like, rebranded, I guess, their logo and their colors, their uniform since Tom Brady left. So that era of like whatever those because you know what I'm talking about with the the new uniforms the blue, how they're, they're like a weird blue now right as, like when they were more like metallic I guess during right. the Brady era so I guess there's just an entire like 20 year period of Patriots football in those uniforms that I'm just you're always going to associate with Tom Brady yeah agreed and it is it'll just continue to to be weird for me but just a little you know just 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 something that that. Just doesn't seem right. But what about when Belichick leaves? When Belichick leaves, then they're just gonna. They just need to dissolve as an organization. <laughs> yeah, like they really do. Like, entirely. You've had so much success that once Belichick leaves, yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't top that. By the way, like a lot on the line for Belichick, right? Like oh, he's yeah. got a hundred percent. I mean, he, there had to be nobody more upset with how last year went down than Bill Belichick. And that was blatantly obvious given the moves that he made this offseason. I mean, he went all out scrambling to acquire players all over the place. Seemed a little desperate. It was a little desperate. And then, I mean, now he's got his quarterback. Uh, To be fair to them, they are getting a lot of opt-outs from last season back. I mean, there's definitely a realm in which you can see the Patriots being a pretty decent team this year, but I don't know. Belichick's definitely got something to prove. Yeah, I mean, losing Hightower, especially defensively, yeah. he's he's unbelievable. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they they go out and, like, we talked about Aguilar. They signed Aguilar to a two-year, I think, $26 million deal. Mm. Kendrick Bourne they spent a lot of money on. Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. Like, I don't know. It seemed like a lot of money for a lot of, you know, average to slightly above average guys. I agree with you 100% and something that not a lot of people talk about. And Bill Belichick is an incredible head coach. He'll go down as probably the greatest ever, although yeah, I, I, I think there. I think Andy Reid's better, but anyway. There you go. <laughs> good, good take. Anyway, he was never that great of a GM. I mean, he got lucky hitting Tom Brady in the sixth round. I mean, who knows if he was even considered the GM or really calling the shots in the draft during that time. But I mean, he won because he was a great defensive coach and because he had Tom Brady. I don't know if it was, I mean, he's been bad at, at signings, especially wide receivers. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but uh, the Patriots, a lot on the line for them this year after a disappointing season, two, one, five, five, nine, two, nine, four, nine, four. But I mentioned 
that the Phillies, after this series in Arizona, they go to San Diego, and they might be seeing an old friend. And this is something I brought up a little bit last night. This is a possibility, but it did happen. The Padres signed Jake Arrieta today. Like, and I, I, am, I really don't know which one's worse. And I very briefly brought this up last night, but I want people's takes before the end of the show. What is the worst signing of a former Philadelphia athlete over the past couple of days? Jake Arrieta by the Padres or Jason Peters by the Bears? I think it's Arietta. And Peters was horrific last year. Yeah, You're going to throw Cole Hamels into that mix? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the Cole Hamels thing. And I honestly feel bad for Cole Hamels. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he's trying to make this comeback. Cole Hamels gets signed. And I think there there might be the winner, even though he, I still think Arietta could do more damage to the Padres. I'll put a dent in the skull. At least with the Dodgers, like, they they just, it's just like a non-entity. It's yeah, basically it's just a million dollars down the drain. Yeah. Um, but, uh Hamels gets hurt. He's done for the year. I guess that's a bullet dodged for the Phillies. I mean, it wouldn't have it not our money, but yeah. still. And especially considering the way that it that it just ended. Imagine if that happened here in Philly. You don't want to sour on a guy like Cole Hamels, kind of like we did with Jason Peters. Yeah, and I would have been. It would have been exciting the prospect of getting Cole Hamels in here. So it would have been a big letdown if he wasn't able to pitch. But Arietta ends up being signed by the Padres. I don't really get that move. Um, Peter signed by the Bears. If you want to give our your opinion on which one's worse, I actually think the Arietta signing's worse. I mean, I I can't imagine Peter's going to play much. And like, I feel bad saying it about Jason Peters because seventy one should be retired, and I'm sure it will be yeah. retired by the Eagles. Uh, and a couple other quick number notes that I wanted to point out mm. is that I didn't realize this till last till a couple days ago. But the Eagles have never given out 87 because of Brent Selleck. Like, oh. really? Like, and I thought it was because of Todd Pinkson. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to Brent Selleck, but he's really held in that kind of regard where we're not giving out his number. Yeah, I don't know. That That's a tough one to me because he's not like, you know, he's never putting up huge numbers or anything. He's just kind of one of those reliable guys that, that's been here for a long time, but now that Zach Ertz kind of came and went, or he didn't leave yet, but you know, now now that we've ex- we've gotten the Zach Ertz experience, we know what a true, probably Hall of Fame tight end looks like. And, and this is kind of my issue with the Selleck thing. So you're protecting Zach or, or uh, Brent Selleck's number, but like I thought it was weird in the preseason game watching Zach McPherson run around with number twenty-seven on. Like, and I know Malcolm Jenkins was only here for six years, yeah. which isn't that long a period of time I think it's long enough if you're a captain of the team right and I don't know if you need to necessarily retire his number like I consider it because I think what Malcolm Jenkins meant to this team in this city in so many ways is invaluable but like to to not give out Selleck's number and to give out Malcolm Jenkins number that quick I don't know I just I don't really I don't really get that like Malcolm Jenkins is a guy that guy held this team together for some in some years especially in 18 and 19 when those seasons were were on the brink and the leadership that he provided to this team and it's not just us saying this from the outside you talk to anybody in that locker room the respect he has in this organization goes beyond 
anything any other player has had in that era. Yeah, uh, Malcolm Jenkins was uh, he was a glue guy, no question. I- I'm of the mind that you can't just be retiring numbers willy nilly. You know what I mean? Because th- th- one, there's only so many, and uh, I mean, if you're gonna retire one, I think you have to retire the other, or I think you have to retire both or neither. If, right. If you ask me, Peters, I think you can do Peters solo. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Because he has kind of the the tenure and the Hall of Fame credentials. Absolutely. But yeah, I, the 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 Selick and Jenkins one, I I I don't I don't like them giving out Jenkins' number that quickly. But no. I do get you know you can't just retire every number. Now to answer your original question, I, I think the the area of signing is is worse mm-hmm. because <laughs> I mean <laughs> when you're signing the guy that's that old and has absolutely nothing to offer. You start to kind of think about okay, maybe uh, what what's his mentorship value? You know what I mean. Yeah. I, I could probably see Jason Peters, yeah. albeit maybe a slight stretch. I could see him at least offering some wisdom up to young guys. Uh, Arietta, no, <laughs> I'll just I'll be succinct and say I do not see him offering up his wisdom. That's a really good point because yeah, if if, if you're bringing a guy like guys like that in who you know don't have a lot left in the tank. You want them bringing some sort of like intangible value, and Jake Arrieta is not a leader. Jake Arrieta is not a guy that's. I mean, no. even though I don't know his former teammates seem to. I mean, Bryce called him like one of the best teammates he ever had, or something. <laughs> but I mean, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, I, I, I guy who played with Papelbon. Right, I'm not a. I'm, I'm certainly not a Jake Arietta guy. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, let's go to Brandon in Hanover. What's up, Brandon? Yeah, Tom. I just was glad to hear you guys talking about Sirianni about an hour or so ago, and just really liked your thoughts. Wanted to touch on a couple points there, mm-hmm. if I may. Sure. Uh, the first one is, uh, you know, boy, I, I saw a team that was organized. Last week, and I just don't think that can be underestimated. It has nothing to do with the fact the Steelers had backups on the field. They they had just played the Hall of Fame game last the week before. Ben didn't Big Ben didn't play it. I think some of their starters on defense didn't play, but that's not really the main point of that whole deal for the Eagles. They were a unit that looked like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. On offense. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Brandon. And, you know, a lot of times last year, and I, I, I like Doug Peterson as a coach and as a guy, but the, let's face it, this team, certainly last year and really over the last few years, a lot of times just, just too sloppy of play. And it was it was nice to see a, a, what I thought was a more buttoned-up operation last week. And the other part of that is the – you know the leader seems more on board than the last quarterback we had last year. So, so that matters in the communication, getting plays in, everyone going to the right spots. That's half the battle in making a play happen. Yeah, definitely. Too. I mean, in the NFL, when the margin of error is so small, a lot of it's about execution, knowing knowing where you're supposed to be. And uh, this team certainly looks like they were looks like they were on the same page last week. Yeah, I have some other question mm-hmm. about Devontae Smith and Nick Sirianni moving him around. I think that'll be good. Just wanted to get your thoughts. The guy's 166 pounds. Will he be able to handle the pounding 
of an NFL season. It just seems to me it could be really tough. Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, some of these other guys a little heavier. Uh, I just am wondering long-term how the receiving core has been that we're going to pin our hopes on a guy that's that's lighter. Now, he, of course, he was tough at Alabama. He can right. take some hits, but this is the NFL, a little different. So excited to see what the receiving core can be and – and hopefully Smith can be the number one they they really want. And if that's the case, Sirianni can use all those formations that he talked about, moving guys around to the X and the Y, and it'll be exciting stuff to see how he executes the offense. Yeah, Brandon, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, take it easy. And, yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith, and I I – I've heard this a lot, and I get why people would be somewhat concerned about his durability, but like, and the size is probably why he dropped as far as he did. And it wasn't a precipitous drop or anything to number 10, but could have potentially gone earlier. And the size is probably a reason why he did not, but like he, he stayed healthy at Alabama and some guys just know how to, avoid contact and know how to keep themselves from getting hurt. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a guy who isn't that big, plays a position where you can get hurt frequently, and I don't believe dealt with any serious injuries in college. Um, And I am not overly concerned with Devontae Smith. I know he's dealing with this knee thing in camp. Uh, He was back doing some work on Monday. I don't think he was back full practicing or anything. But I think he's going to be all right, and I think it's a worthwhile risk to take uh, because he was able to protect himself in college, and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to do that at the NFL level as well. I think the weight thing is way more of a concern, like when you're talking 20, 30 years ago. I mean, there's no Mel Blunt out there to slam you to the to the ground right. when you're beyond your five yards in your route. You can't even hit a receiver over the middle of the field without a flag being thrown for a defenseless receiver. I, the days of guys getting crushed and it being really difficult physically for wide receivers in the NFL, I, th- I think is over. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles, let's face it, they have a smaller receiving core. I mean, aside from Fulgham and I guess Ortega Whiteside, if he, even though I, I don't think he's going to make the team, um, it, when you look at, at Smith and Rager and Watkins, uh, you know, these are smaller guys uh, with that Greg Ward without big frames. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly the way the Eagles have chosen to build, and I'm not overly concerned about it. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Devontae Smith on the field. Now, as far as this week, I doubt he'll play Thursday night. I mean, I'd imagine he needs to get some work in before he's ready to go. But next Friday night against the Jets, I think it's a possibility because one one. Good thing that I really like about this new preseason schedule is, like, I don't think we'll have that final preseason game anymore where it's totally meaningless. Like, I don't think teams are going to treat this third game like they treat the fourth game in past years. Yeah. Like, I think they'll still treat it like the third game. That always stunk. And isn't there now this season there's, like, two weeks between that final preseason game and week one? Yeah. So you kind of, I feel like you need to get your guys out on the field in that game. Yeah. Because they're they're gonna have two weeks. It is still nice though that I, I always like that it's against the Jets, the Eagles' final preseason game. <laughs> yeah, Do you remember the one a few years ago when Tebow uh, threw I think a game-winning touchdown pass? 
to to win that one? Uh, no, but I, I believe it. I, I remember the Tebow era and him playing a little in the preseason. I, I asked Al about this yesterday. Didn't see it, but Kyle, did you see the Tebow block attempt? I did. Oh my god! <laughs> there's no way they can justify this guy making the team. No, I mean, there, he, there's if, just no way. If he makes that block in an NFL game, he's he's getting. I mean, more embarrassed than he already was. That, that was, was pathetic. Unbelievable. <laughs> if you didn't see it, just go on social media and or wherever and type in Tebow block and it is it is the most feeble blocking attempt you will ever see in your life one of the one of the wildest parts about that is that yeah I didn't realize this but there are Tebow defenders out there oh people love him still like they're like he did his job on that block like he got in front of him like yeah like any defensive lineman worth their salt is just completely blowing right through that and getting to the runner yeah (laughs) Right, whatever. It's cra- no, it, no, it is. It's pretty. It, it was pretty funny uh, to see. And I, I mean, I'm just so tired of this guy. Like, dude, just go away and go to ESPN. Do your college football commentary. He's fine in that role. It's fine. But stop trying to play sports. Stop trying to, you know, because he's taking jobs away from guys who are more qualified. You're like, right. And what was that move by Urban Meyer to do that? Urban Meyer's like, a clown. Yeah, you're a jerk. That was a. I just think that. Speaking of teams, do I think are going to end up being disasters sooner or later? Like they're lucky they got Trevor Lawrence, and who knows? Maybe Trevor Lawrence is good enough. I think Lawrence is unlucky. He went to the Jags. Yeah, I mean, I think about this. I'd have rather gone to the Jets if I was him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, they're they're more built for success. I just I didn't get that Urban Meyer hire at all. But uh, we'll see. Maybe Lawrence is good enough to save them. But that the. I I don't I I don't think the out looks great. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Uh when we get back, I want to do a little uh T V review for you. I've been watching a, a new show that I want to do uh discuss real quick and also a show my wife was watching last night and you know, the the previous host uh resigned. I don't know what kind of issues he was dealing with, but the new host was somebody I did not expect, especially for this sort of show so i'm gonna throw that out there when we get back uh i'm tom kelly in for big daddy graham sports radio 94 wip sports radio 94 wip i'm tom kelly with you for a couple more segments here before we uh talk to al for the overlap show time to get in a few more calls if you want to get in 215-592-9494 i used to do a tv set but i'm not gonna lie i haven't watched a lot of tv shows recently i've kind of i don't know i've kind of got i i think it was during the pandemic when there were no sports going on i just ran through a lot of tv shows so i don't know i I had a little tv show fatigue you ever have that kyle where you just diving into a new series is just like a, a daunting type thing it's hard sometimes i feel like my standards are too high some of the shows that I've watched in the past, you know, like Game of Thrones, I was a huge, huge Game of Thrones guy, like Breaking Bad, like shows like that right. set the bar so high with the drama and like the first few episodes that like really grip you immediately. And if you're not like really buying into it within the first five minutes, you just completely lose interest. It, it's been hard for me to get into stuff. Yeah. And like, I, I still haven't really been able to dive into a full series completely, but like, I'll watch these documentaries sometimes. I heard Jody talking about the Malice in the Palace. I watched that. Uh, how was that, by the way? It was awesome. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. I, I have not gotten a chance to get to this yet because I've been watching on Netflix this uh, Cocaine Cowboys 
the Kings of Miami documentary. It's a six-part, six-episode series basically telling about these two guys, Willie and Sal, who ran the whole cocaine operation in Miami from, like, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And it's pretty wild. Like, these guys were not the smartest guys in the world, I'll say that. They were, like, on the weekends, they're on ESPN as, like, powerboat racers. Wait, is this a, is this a true story? Yeah, it's a true story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's, like, this is part of how they got caught is, uh, like, they're, like, how are these two guys who don't have, seemingly have a lot of money, these powerboat racers? It's a pretty, I guess, um, expensive sport to partake in. Mm. Uh, but... It's a wild story where these guys are basically just childhood friends. They end up running this massive cocaine operation in the 80s and 90s. They go to trial several different times, you know, and it's just like this cat and mouse game of the FBI trying to pinch them. They're going to they're going to trial. They're like paying off jurors and all this crazy stuff. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, don't spoil it. No. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know this is uh, up your alley, TK. I guess I've been wondering how you've been able to do these overnights so often. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as as far as the uh, the story goes, it's it's pretty wild. So I think you'd I think you'd enjoy it. I'll, I'll check it out now. So it's a true story, which which uh, gives it a plus for me because I'm I've been really into those like. Uh, you know, the, just the uh, the drama stuff, like I said, like it's too hard to get into because I feel like it has to be really, really good for me to get into it. Now, the, the true stories uh, I can jump into pretty easily. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty cool. And it's like a six episode series. I got, I think, one remaining. So uh, it's pretty easy to burn through. It'll catch your attention pretty quickly. Uh, so I've been watching that. And also, this was very exciting night on Monday night. And I'll have to uh, mention this to Al during the crossover because uh start of a, the start of bachelor in paradise which the bachelor and bachelorette i'm not gonna lie i've kind of gotten fatigued with the bachelor and bachelorette. <laughs> oh, no. of, oh wow you know it's kind of the same thing where he, the person's in the house and, and a bunch of people from the opposite sex it gets kind of you don't say it gets a little boring but bachelor in paradise is phenomenal where they take all the cast-offs, they put them all on a beach, and you know it's it. You got to couple up, and if you don't have a partner, you're you're out when it comes to the voting off ceremony. And hey, if somebody's got two kind of flings going on, they got to choose who they give their rose to. And at the end, you know, people leave and they're hopefully coupled up. But it's mainly just a bunch of people getting drunk and like, you know, partying on a beach together and there's fights and it's entertaining and it's, it's tremendous drama. And last year there was no bachelor in paradise because of COVID. Um, but it's back. Uh, it made its return and, and it was a pretty good episode of bachelor in paradise on Monday night. Okay. I mean, look, I'm I don't not, think you're into that. I'm not going to sit back here and stick my nose up at you because I'm, I'm not a snob. I mean, everyone's got guilty pleasures and stuff. All I'll say is maybe one day when I'm a married man, there's just too much going on right now. Too much for me to watch and enjoy for me to set aside hours of my day and watch something as mind numbing as the bachelor in paradise. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things now where, and I'm not going to lie. I watched it before I had a kid as well, but now you finally get the baby to sleep. You're just sitting downstairs 
that you have a little bit of quiet time. You know, you okay. watch a little Bachelor in Paradise. All right, look, like I said, I'm not back here judging you. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's things that I watch that people find not manly either, you know? But, so. but what did surprise me about it, though, and this was, like, jarring to see, uh, the former host... Chris Harrison, I don't know, he ran into some kind of trouble. I don't, I don't, I don't know what what his issues were, but he's no longer the host of Bachelor in Paradise. They replaced him with somebody I did not expect to be hosting one of these shows. David Spade. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, David Spade is apparently, as I am, a Bachelor universe like super fan. Now that now that might entice me. Yeah, and David Spade is is hosting this show and greeting all the people, and it, it just it did not it, it it was not the person I would have expected to be hosting a show like that. Hmm. So Trouble in Paradise with Chris Harrison. Huh? Yeah, there you go. Um, and by the way, a former Bachelor in Paradise alum, uh, Clay Harbor, former Eagles tight end. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, yeah, but David Spade's hosting, so that that's my review of Bachelor in Paradise. All right, way, way to way to tie everything together. There you go, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it for the TV segment. But seriously, go watch uh, this Cocaine Cowboy show; it's pretty entertaining. That that I will check out. Yeah, for sure. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, when we get back, um, we'll kind of wrap up some of the things we've been talking about throughout the course of the show. And also, I needed to play this sound from a Patriots reporter. Uh, at the joint practice, who was rather critical of the Eagles' operation uh, compared to what the Patriots had going on. So we'll get to that as well. When we get back, I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for one more segment here. Time to squeeze in a call or two if you want to get in. 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Uh, some of the things we've been discussing throughout the course of the show tonight, uh, discussing the Eagles as we lead up to this preseason game with the Patriots Thursday night. Off of the preseason game last Thursday night, the joint practice on Monday, uh, and the signs are encouraging. Um, you know, according to all reports, the Eagles dominated the Patriots on Monday. Uh, the defensive line looks strong. That's an area where, you know, we've looked at and thought that is going to be a significant strength of this team is on the defensive line. And apparently they were very impressive on Monday uh, in the limited action. They got Thursday night. I thought it looked pretty good as well. The first team defense only played one series Thursday night, um, but that area is going to be improved. The offense uh, again, Jalen hurts uh, apparently this practice. It was his best day of camp so far. Didn't really surprise me um, because I think he's a gamer. I think he's a guy who likes getting up for these kind of situations. You get to go against a different opponent. And I think these joint practices are really useful. And uh, I I sense as we head toward the start of the season here, a growing level of optimism with this team. And that's exciting to see. and, And I think it's warranted. Like, I don't believe this is a bad roster. I think the thought that this was going to be a four or five win season, I just don't think that's what we're going to see. Now, who knows if this team's going to make the playoffs, win the division, um, but 
in this division, it's certainly possible. And there is certainly reasons to be optimistic. And uh, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, uh, certainly a couple of those reasons so far. Been impressed with both those guys. So we've been talking about that. Um, talking about the returns of Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Mills, who they are now members of the Patriots, and how they should be viewed in Philadelphia. Because I think two underrated players when you look at their careers in total. Like, obviously, Aguilar was a kind of controversial figure here. And I think his tenure in Philadelphia gets a little tainted by the way it started and the way it ended. Like, it started very badly. His first two years were ugly. Um, And his last year here was not good. I mean, he had that game against the Lions where there was that epic clip afterwards of the guy uh, talking about he's throwing the kids out the uh, out the window of the the house that had to fire or whatever. And uh, I forget exactly what what exactly happened. It, it was yeah, it was it was a fire and they and were he throwing he babies out. Right, he was catching them, unlike Aguilar. Right, unlike Aguilar. I was wondering. I'm like, but I knew it was something with throwing you know kids out the window, but he was catching them, so that's good. Uh, but uh, yeah, that remember that year there was the New England game where. Wentz actually makes a pretty good throw under pressure and he drops it in the end zone. And uh, then he was complaining about his knee and that was the last we saw of him. But you can't argue with the fact that in that Super Bowl year, he was huge for this team. And in Super Bowl 52, he had a massive game. And that final drive made a couple big time catches uh, that set the Eagles up. So I think in totality, a player that meant a lot to this team. And same with Jalen Mills. I never really got the Jalen Mills hate. Like, he was a guy give up some plays. People didn't like the finger wag stuff, but he was a competitor. He didn't shy away from contact. And I think, too, kind of underrated players when you look at their careers here. And two guys that were very important to that Super Bowl winning team. And also, I see Jalen Mills is wearing number two now. And this was something I had an issue with before, this number change. You're shaking your head, Kyle. I, I got to say, it's not bothering me as much as I thought it would. Really? It it, do, it does bother me a lot, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it's only because it seems so amateurish. It just does. I mean, my whole life I've grown up knowing, like, the NFL has just been more regulated that way. And the guys in college, like, that where, you know, you see a linebacker wearing number one, number two. I'm like, yeah, that's all well and good when you're a kid. But, like, these are adults. I mean, just... You know, grow up a little bit. <laughs> grow up. I like. I like it, but like it's something that I thought would bother me more than it has. I think I'll be able to adjust. Yeah, you know what? It, it's bothered me just as much as I thought it would. When I when there I look go. and I see Nelson and Slay wearing two and three, I, I I can't stand it. It burns my eyeballs. You know what? Yeah, I. I you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe I. Maybe I should let it bother me as much. Yeah, as come I on. Would and stay. Where's the anger? Upset about it, but uh, talking about that as well. And the Phillies, they're back in action tonight as they take on the Diamondbacks. Big series, uh, considering you drop two or three to both the Dodgers and the Reds. The Braves just continue to win. I mean, the Braves are are playing some of their best ball of the year right now. And the Diamondbacks are terrible. I mean, this is a team that is 38-81, worst record in the National League, uh, worst record in all of baseball, actually. So 
three straight games here where you have Kyle Gibson, Ranger Suarez, and Zach Wheeler on the mound. I think the Phillies need to sweep this series and get back on the right track uh, before heading to San Diego this weekend, where hopefully they will see Jake Arrieta for one of those three games. Uh, Just some other news to pass along here. Marcus Smart signed a... uh, $77 $77 million deal. And that just, that the only reason I mentioned that is because I, and it, it, time has just gotten distorted since like the beginning of the pandemic. A year ago today was Sixers Celtics game one of their playoff series. That feels like three years ago to me. That's crazy. That does not feel like, since then we've had two Sixers playoff runs. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the, especially from where, fans were on the Sixers after that series as opposed to like, you know, I mean, right now people, I guess, are still a little down after the the Hawks thing, but man, after that with Boston, it was like Embiid is out of shape. He's got to go. Like, it was almost like redo the process. Right, and what's so weird to me is Boston like dominated them in that series, and since then Brad Stevens, who's now no longer the coach, he's the GM, has basically gone out and just said, okay, the 2026ers that we dominated, I need to get all those guys. (laughs) They got Josh Richardson. They got Al Horford. Uh, They signed Dennis Schroeder from the Lakers as well. What a mistake by him. I have no idea what they're doing over there. But yeah. Did you see the Schroeder thing, though, where he gets a $5.9 million deal? He turned down $80 million from the Lakers last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Like, that I is forgot about that. one of the most horrendous <laughs> mistakes I've ever seen. Where's his agent at? Yeah. I, 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 Fire him right should now. should be employed. Um, but, yeah, uh, th- that was just odd to me that that's uh, a year ago today. It seems a lot longer. But before we get out of here, we talked about this joint practice between the Eagles and the Patriots. And there is like the Boston air of superiority is something that, that bothers me. And it's, it's not just the fans. It's not just the teams, but it's also the media. You saying that with Al sitting right across from me right now? Yeah. Well, Al's kind of an adopted Philadelphian at this point, but uh, (laughs) maybe not. We'll, we'll we'll check in with him next, but uh, Tom Curran, who uh, is a Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston, was very critical. And this is, as they're coming out to practice, he's he's tweeting, he's recording this video, uh, and he tweets it out with some commentary. And here was Tom Curran uh, on the Patriots and how they're practicing compared to the Eagles and how they're practicing. The Eagles over here. Okay. That's filtering in, shooting the having a day, getting loose. Right? It's the Patriots. We see this every single time we come to these joint practices. Patriots are already running. They've already kind of done things. They're into their dynamic warm-up ahead of stretching. We got air horns blowing. Every time, every time we come to these joint practices, we see this. Why do I tell you this? Because, yeah, they had a great quarterback, but there's also something. Mike, I'm talking to the people. But there's also something to the level of organization that they bring, and that's a constant, like I said, every single time, and the other teams don't get it. And I guarantee you, by tomorrow afternoon, the Eagles will be doing a little differently, just like the Washington Redskins were. So everybody's got to do things like the Patriots. And I, uh, first of all, I don't know who the guy Mike was that he snapped at in the middle of that to get <laughs> out of the way. But, like, 
I love how he just glosses over. Oh, they yeah, they had a great quarterback. I think it's pretty clear the quarterback was a pretty big deal <laughs> yeah. in terms of their success. Yeah, that's that, that's not a, a footnote. But like this air of superiority that the Patriots are are the uh, you know model for what everybody else should should replicate. First of all, the Eagles beat them in the beat them in the Super Bowl. That's right. They did. Second of all. They went on to, by all accounts that I've read, whoop their ass in this practice. So uh, I, I think the quarterback is a big deal. And you know what? I I, th- I think it's been proven. Belichick's really not that good of a coach. He's yeah. Just, he's just very lucky. Yeah. You know, very lucky <laughs> to have had Tom Brady. He's not that good of a coach. And I'm not I'm not taking my cues from the Patriots. Yeah, basically all the Patriots' success over the last 20 or so years is fraudulent. Yeah, I think you made the point earlier, Kyle. Andy Reid, better than Bill B- Belichick. Better than Bill Belichick, yeah, 100%. I'll take Andy Reid any day of the week. Me too. Me too. So uh, that'll do it for the show tonight. Thank you to Kyle Quinn. For producing. Uh, next up, we'll talk to Al for the overlap show. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.